How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to the 100th episode of The Way of the Wolf. For this episode, we're going to do something pretty special. I actually have two guests here in the studio with me. Both of these gentlemen have been on the show before. I will link their previous episodes in the show notes, but Mr. Chris Tarver and Scott Wells, welcome to the 100th episode. Good to be back. Congratulations, yeah. man, that you've been working hard at it. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite an interesting journey and challenging trying to come out of my comfort zone, but uh, I really enjoy it. It's yeah. been fun. It's definitely been a, you know, it, it's been a pleasure to see you. Cool to watch. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. And before we go any further, I'd like to, I wanted to give you this while we were. Get up on that mic for me. I wanted to give you this while we we're on the air because it's something that. I think you'll really enjoy. <laughs> what is it? It's so good, dude. I wanted to be on the air. Wait, read it. Read Didn't the camera see whatever oh this is? Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Flip through it, man. It's so good. Okay. That's how we're going to start this thing off, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Sean, I want to say thank you as well as telling you I'm proud of you. You have taken your platform and done great things, and your death goal continue to help others. This is life. Uh, oh, fantastic. So all, all the wolves the, the that wizard, you can find. <laughs> the wizard wolf. Oh, man. Yeah. There's just a I'm going to try to look more. like that one day. Oh, not so much this one. Diary of the Wolf, Troy Hunter. Ah. We're just going to keep moving past Perfect. that one. <laughs> just flip through them, man. Look, he, they got oiled up and everything. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Just make it to the last one, yeah. and then you'll see there's a few questions. We won't read them on air. Okay. I mean, Love by a wolf pack. Okay. I'm not going to read that. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I think there's one more. And Scott, like, that was really Chris thoughtful with you, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like it's I worked kinda... hard on it. I've been thinking about it a long time. I appreciate the effort. It's yeah. kind of hard to read. I'm going to read that not on the air. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, man. Seriously, 100 episodes is a big milestone. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I've focused a lot on is consistency. And I made a commitment to myself to do one episode every week and have not faltered on that. Sometimes I get behind on recording where I'm recording Sunday evening, but, uh, it's been it's been quite an interesting journey. One of the things that I appreciate the most about it is having opportunities to have guys like you come on the show and share your story, share your journey, and help as many people as possible. So this episode, we're going to be talking about fitness, wellness. We're going to talk about a lot of topics. Both of you, when you were on the show before, we talked about these topics, mm -hmm. but the banter between the three of us, I've always enjoyed, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, but I think we also uh, have some differences that, you know, there's not one way to get to the goal, right? You can go left, go right. Sometimes people go backwards, make a detour, but, mm -hmm. you know, Chris has some interesting thoughts as well. <laughs> <laughs> now you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I, when we were kind of talking about this podcast coming up and we were kind of throwing out some ideas to kind of touch on uh, one thing that I think you brought up was how the, how our individual industries have kind of changed um, since mm -hmm. when we entered them and, and to where we are today. Um, but something came up recently where I had to kind of go into uh, with a friend of mine, how mine has changed uh, since COVID. Um, 
and it's completely like, and, and I'm kind of involved in a couple of different industries, but in, in the health and fitness industry in particular, mine is completely different from where it was two and a half years ago. How so? You're talking about the supplement store, correct? The supplements, okay. yeah. Um, health and nutrition. Um, it kind of forced, so like every industry changed because of lockdowns, right? But ours forced people, it forced every uh, aspect of the industry to innovate and change during that time. So coming out the other side, it's totally different. So it wasn't as though we just had a loss of revenue and we had to kind of figure figure out how to make it up on the other side. It was during that lockdown, everybody was forced into necessity, the survival mode. So they all adapted and changed, or the good ones did at least. So now the landscape for me is very, is vastly different during COVID, particularly manufacturers that wanted to stay relevant had to stay in front of the eyes of their consumers. They had to stay on, on their mm -hmm. radar. So they had to get more, they had to adapt. They had to get more innovative in how to do those. And they became, a lot of them became really good at it. Well, previously they kind of relied on my side of things mm -hmm. on retailers to, to do that for them. Um, so now my competition is not local retailers. It's not Amazon. It's now it's the manufacturers themselves mm. almost um, because they they were kind of shown a better way, or I say a better way. They were shown a different way, and in a lot of ways, that way makes sense. Uh, and I, I was just kind of on my way over here thinking about other industries that have had the same impact. I and mean, look at Ford. Uh, I was told recently that Ford is changing their entire business model. Where now you're never you're not going to drive past a Ford dealership and see 600 cars on the lot ever again. Yeah you're going to see 40 days at the most of inventory because mm -hmm. they learned that if they hold inventory back, if they release less inventory, they can ask more for it. And there's, there's a higher demand, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's just incredible that like, I mean, that's a major needle to move. I mean, that's a, that's huge, right? So mm. Ford's one of the largest companies in the world and their whole model's changing. Well, I think we're gonna see that beyond just Ford. A lot of dealerships during the pandemic, we saw, especially in the used car market, the pricing was just skyrocketing for everything. And holding on to inventory was a challenge. I mean, there are people that would buy something new from the factory and two months later flip it and make $10,000 or $30,000. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, now what we're starting to see is inventory levels are rising and rising on these dealerships and they're struggling because they're getting more and more upside down in them. These dealerships, one thing I didn't know until recently is they carried notes on everything. Everything that was on the lot yeah. was all... They got a loan to be able to have that. Well, you buy a vehicle for $30,000, throw it on a lot for forty, dollars and then all of a sudden inventory levels start rising. The prices are starting to drop. Now they're getting to a point where they're upside down in them. And I think we're going to see a vehicle crash similar to what some are predicting, the housing crash. On the coming. new side, too? Yeah, on the new side. You know, there were supply chain shortages as well, but now the manufacturers have worked through the majority of those supply chain shortages and they're getting stuff out to the dealerships, but people are hesitant to buy. You, know, you hear yeah. all this this talk of a looming recession, so people are starting to get tight with their money mm. and things are sitting on the lots longer. So it's going to be an recession? interesting balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I, think, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I make no claims to be like a economist, but you know, economics 101, 
kind of taught you, uh, especially here, right? Um, I forgot who said it. Inflation doesn't cost you anything until it costs you everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, me being from Singapore, which is one of the most expensive places in the world to live, you know, understanding like the cost of living was very high. Obviously, if you go to a place like California, go to like either coast, the cost is extremely high. Texas was a lot cheaper to live. Well, then we started, I don't want to say we, but people around here started seeing kind of inflation, right? They started seeing costs go up on everything from housing, cars, just groceries, things like that. And we're two years in, and, you know, I try to look back and say, what did the pandemic teach us? Obviously, everything y'all are saying is completely true. I think what it showed a lot of people was they didn't have reserves. They, you know, everybody talks about paycheck to paycheck, and people weren't paycheck to paycheck. They were day to day. They didn't have a month out. They didn't have three months out. And I think it opened up a lot of eyes, you know, not only to people like retailers, but also to individuals that were like, man, something has to change. Uh, Maybe I can work from home. I don't, you know. So just like anybody, you know, anything else, you try to figure out what works best and go from there. But for me, like I said, I think uh, that particularly uh, particular inflation with just seeing the cost go up in this area hurt a lot of people. It did. Yeah, it really did. I think it's going to continue to hurt a lot of people. I love that we just jumped into like the most doom and gloom topic. We did. We did. Yeah. And here's the thing. The topic of the show was going to be all about health and fitness and life. (laughs) Well, that's life. That's what I was about to say. This does kind of carry over into life because the mental anguish that people will go through if they're struggling financially plays a toll on their hormones, on their aspects of their their physical health. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, stress is a very real thing. Cortisol is a very real thing. Dude, I think there's never been, I think we create, I think all that, all this junk created a vacuum and there's never been a bigger need for leadership now. Uh, I only, I say that because I, my, um, uh, large part of my peril is like, you know, hourly, hourly wage guys and, and, uh, dude, they're, they're just as susceptible to this, if not more susceptible to these big inflationary pressures at the, like at the grocery store. I, I'm almost like, I'm not ashamed, but like, I don't really know how much a pound of ground beef costs. I don't know. Danny goes to the grocery store, brings it home. I know that we're paying more for groceries. I know that it's several hundred dollars a month more, but dude, when you're, when you're on the edge, 700, several hundred dollars a month is a, it's a big deal, man. And it breaks some people and it causes a lot of stress. And like, and I've been able to, kind of dig into that with a lot of my guys and I'm, and I kind of see it firsthand. And, um, I've, I guess I've just, I've kind of, I've observed that there is a need for people to, for people to lead right now and not just jump into the, into the boat with them. You know what I mean? Um, to kind of, to, to keep their eye, to keep their eyes forward, to keep them looking forward and, and, mm-hmm. and reminding them that if you, if you take care of business, you'll you'll come out this on the other end, right? Uh, but golly, man, it's a. Uh, I mean, first of all, how? Yeah, how would you know how much it costs, right? You're vegan, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to segue that, you know, I, I know both of y'all talk about a lot of uh, leadership values, where I talk about a lot of following values. You know, where, in my opinion, you know, I talk about. Uh, 
don't be a leader, be a follower. Because I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, there's, there's so many leadership books. There's so many self-help books, you know. But to me, like, as we speak, I think we're the most fucked up we've ever been, right? There's more gyms in the area. There's more health aspects, more uh, supplement stores and everything. But as we speak, we are still the sickest and fattest we've ever been, you know? 100%, yeah. And now I don't, like I said, the, the um, aspiration of being a leader, I think, is definitely great. But, you know, at the same time, I think you need to see, like, what are other people doing that are doing well or what you consider doing well, you know, and follow, follow what they're doing. You know, I've always been so kind of dumbfounded. I'll go to a store and I'll see two fatties looking at pills, asking each other, do you think this works? I mean, look at someone like Chris and just go to him and be like, hey, what do you do for your, I mean, you look the part at least, you know? I mean, at least perception is reality to some some point, right? It's strange that we don't do that. I, if you go to any big gym, if you went into like an LA Fitness or a 24-hour fitness and you watch people train, like if you, if you just looked at men training, I do. They're all going to be right. <laughs> they're all going to be. They're all doing different things, right? If you looked at, they probably all have very similar goals. I only know that because we talk about goals every day, so right. Mm-hmm. So like every guy's like, they tell me their goals as if it's like groundbreaking. I want to build more muscle, but you know I want to be a little bit leaner. And I'm like, cool. You want to look like GI Joe? Got it. Thank you, Captain America. I know. Yeah. If you go to the gym. Everyone's doing different stuff. They're all following different people mm-hmm. and doing different things. Or or maybe they're not following anyone. Maybe they're just kind of doing what they think. Maybe they just, they're going in there trying to, they want to leave feeling like they did something and they did it right, you know? Mm-hmm. I find that really strange. Like science has shown us exactly what to do. They, yeah. Science has shown us exactly how to build muscle, exactly how to burn body fat. It might be variably different from case to case, but it's pretty fucking close, man. We know how to build muscle. We know how to burn body fat. Why is everyone trying to figure it out? Okay. Well, that's a good topic. And let I want to talk through my fitness journey a little bit. I, I actually don't even, I didn't know either of you back in 2004-ish time frame. I mm-hmm. spent a year traveling in North Carolina and Virginia, living out of hotels, eating just crap food before that high school college you you don't really have to focus as much on nutrition you're just kind of your metabolism's high you kind of eat whatever you want that year that i was in north carolina living on the road Mm -hmm. i developed habits around drinking green monster energy drinks and snickers marathon bars and the logic (laughs) was marathon bar that's got to be good for you yeah so it wasn't and (laughs) One morning I woke up, my body weight was 205, uh, very different composition from mm-hmm. where I'm at today. Probably had some lean pockets in the freezer at home. <laughs> very much so, very <laughs> much so. And it was just whatever was convenient. And so I had this realization event looking in the mirror in the hotel room one morning. I was like, my God, what has happened? And so I started just cutting calories. I didn't know anything about nutrition, but started cutting calories. I was eating 600 calories a day. I'd look at a can of soup and then get like tuna and a lettuce wrap. What was your metric? Like when you looked at something and you're like, I can't have that. It was was calories, just calories. But was it like, if it was over 400 calories, I'm not eating it? Or It was just six to 700 calories a day as long as I was in there. I I thought that I was good. Well, I started losing weight. I was going to the gym every day, exercising, losing weight, losing weight. And I had this obsession with seeing my abs. Probably like a lot of people that come into your store and talk to you. 
and I was losing Everybody. weight and losing weight. And actually, at the bottom of the spectrum, I got down to 159. At six foot one and 159, I was looking like Skeletor mm-hmm. and realized, okay, I've gone too far. And I started gaining a little bit more weight. And then around 2006, seven time frame is whenever I met you, Scott. Out of the garage. We, yeah. So and, it wasn't until then that you actually went and went looking for some sort of guidance. You were still correct. trying to wing it. I was just winging just it. Just cutting calories and, and Yeah. And then out, I, I realized I'd lost too much weight. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start eating more. But I still didn't know like what I was doing. And... For, I mean, how many years were you CrossFit the Woodlands before you transitioned uh, to LSRF? Uh, Three? few years. Yeah, yeah a couple yeah, of years. Like and we were doing traditional CrossFit-style workouts. Every day, Metcon, and, and just traditional CrossFit stuff. And I never gained any weight. Never, I mean, I was still eating not enough, but it wasn't until I went to Chase Banks to do a meal plan to actually start putting on some size. And so a combination of meal plan with Chase, training with Scott, we actually transitioned, or you transitioned more into the, the LSRF programming, mm-hmm. which I found for my body type actually works better. I'm able to put on more muscle mass yeah. doing LSR, traditional LSRF strength training, which we talked about in your previous episodes. Science. But if I go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what was interesting, years back, I, I left LSRF. There was a little bit of an exodus. Scott pissed off a bunch of people. We all left. I went to... Uh, I still piss off a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went to CrossFit Overtake, and I was there for, I don't know, five, four or five months, something like that, doing Metcons. I didn't change my nutrition at all, but I started losing weight. I lost about eight pounds in that time frame, and then all of my lifts and all of my movements started getting weaker and weaker. And I thought, okay, well, this isn't good. And then Marco pissed me off, and so I came back to LSRF. And within two months... I had started gaining weight back. My lifts started coming back. And I think squat, deadlift, and bench, they I had lost you know, 20 per, 10, 10, 15% or so off of all of my lifts. And within just a couple of months of being back at LSRF, that changed for me. And that worked. Now, science. Wait, wait I, probably because Scott always practiced some level of hypertrophy training. Like it was like a not blend as, of. Not, it was, well, strength and, and conditioning, but. There was strength, hypertrophy, there was, and there, there was metabolic conditioning. Like Well, we train all across all metabolic like, pathways and energy systems. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Like when, uh, just not to cut you off, but it's uh, so many people will. You know, be like, well, how? What's live strong, run fast? How does he train? And a lot of people will say, oh, it's CrossFit. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. You know, and everybody has this uh, opinion of it. And I'm like, oh yeah. Well, you you tell me how I run my program, and you know, if you're so kind to explain it to me, mm-hmm. I'll, you know. But uh, then when I explain it to people, they're like, oh yeah, that's not CrossFit at all. And I'm like, okay, well, give me the definition of CrossFit, right? Yeah. Because, you know, when something doesn't have a definition, it can be anything, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, back to your story, you were, you, I yes. remember that when you came back, you you had gotten a little bit weaker, but they, everything started coming back. Exactly. So it, so it all started coming back to, and, and, and works well for me to achieve the fitness goals that I've set for myself. I don't want to be a bodybuilder up on stage. I want to be, have functional fitness, be strong, fast, and lean. That works well for me. But going into CrossFit or traditional CrossFit gyms, I started losing weight. And I think there's a misconception. People think, oh, I'm going to go to CrossFit. I'm going to get jacked. But I think, well, that's a, that's a whole nother topic. But one thing I will say is CrossFit does work for some people. 
Oh, yeah. It it didn't work well for me. And it speaks to kind of the nuances that you were touching on just a moment ago. We know what builds muscle. We know how to lose body fat. But also, everybody's body is different. So I think figuring out what works best for you is going to be key. I hate to admit it, dude. I really like this sucks so bad, but the best shape of my life was when I was training at Scott's gym. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. So I've been in, (laughs) in yeah, (laughs) I've probably been in like better looking condition maybe, but I've never been stronger, faster, Mm -hmm. like stuff that we were doing six sets of 10 on. I'd I'd be pumped to hit once right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing, uh, you know, the biggest thing I talk about is there's a difference between looking good and being in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you all know I just had lunch with Keith Klein and we talked about there's a difference between eating for health and eating to be lean. Okay. It's the same. So when we relate that into like a fitness program, you know, uh, that's that's the main thing that I tell people is that we're going to get you in the best shape of your life. You know, Simon Sinek talks about this uh, finite game and an infinite game. If for me, I've always been an infinite player. Okay. Meaning that. I talk about a death goal. That's not until I'm gone, right? The the so like for let's take Chris. Chris is a new father. He has a beautiful two and a half year old baby girl. The results that Chris is going to see, he might see some immediate results, but the results I want Chris to see, if he's following Live Strong, Run Fast, they're not going to be uh, uh, there until his daughters start having kids, because he's going to be older and what we call able. See, my, my passion, okay, and my vision, there's a difference between a goal and, and vision. My vision for later on is going to be that, you know, I, I need to make it to 100, 110, 120 years old. That's my vision, okay, because that's what's going to – my point won't be proven until then. See, because f- until then, we're just day in, day out, and what is that? That's a lifestyle, right? You know, it's not coming up with a goal of getting to – 195 pounds, 8% body fat. Okay, what happens after that? Do you just give up? You know, you still have high to five. continue. Yeah, you get a high five and that's it. But it's like... Take some things. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest thing where uh, what you were talking about earlier, I feel people don't invest in themselves enough, okay? Yeah. I Y'all have probably heard me talk about this, but let's just take this equation where you can go to a gym, Right. And uh, you pay $10 a month. That gets you through the door. What is your litmus test of if you're getting in shape? You get through the door, you get some girl's number, okay, great. But what are you really doing at the gym? At the end of the year, you're out $120, and you look worse than you did when you walked in there. See, at my place, it might be anywhere from 99 to 200 100 to 200 bucks, right? And it's a month-to-month thing. There's no commitment. Because I have to believe in myself that you will continue to come back. I always tell people that I'm originally from Singapore. Singapore is one of the only places in the world where people can still throw out the government. That's exactly how I run my business. If I'm not keeping a program that is helping you see results, uh, basically consistently getting you there, a clean place, all these things, you simply fire me next month, right? But getting back to the equation is that's why people, even if I raise my price, people will still pay it because they're investing in themselves. You know, when you pay $10 a month at the end of the year, $120 out, and you look worse, you tell me on what planet that equation works. It's just 
they're marketing to as little commitment as possible. Yeah. Well, I think at the beginning of the year, obviously new year's resolutions kick in. People all sign up for these gyms. This is going to change my life. And then inevitably four, six weeks go by and they just fall right back into their old routine. So I'm curious, why do you think that is? We we see a different, a a different uh, trend than the, stereo, the, the, the typical that you might hear, like starting January 1, it's a big mad rush. It's not really like that for us. We kind of, we our, our biggest month of the year is actually March. Um, it, it's almost like it takes people a little bit of time to decide if like they're actually going to fucking do it. You know? <laughs> and they're like, all right, fuck, I'm in. You know, and they, they come, I guess, join or they come finally come to the shop. Why and, do you think it's March? Uh, Procrastination. I think, I think they finally they they procrastinate a little bit. Then when they finally say, you know what, it's still early enough. I'm going to actually do it, and then it gives them a little bit of time to get in there and figure out. Maybe they don't know. Hot girl, hot boy, summer. I think right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, and then they they, I think a lot of them come and finally go. Hey, uh, I, I'm trying to do this. I need help. You know. Um, yeah. And then it's a. And that honestly, takes a lot of courage from somebody slow, though. And then how long does it take for it to taper off? It almost it immediately almost immediately starts a slow taper till December. Really? Almost, yeah. Okay. It's so and then, spike in Q1 end and then it just tapers and a the end slow of the taper down and then like uh, come like summertime gets a little weird with kids getting out of school and then then it's based on kids. Then you can almost watch watch our sales kind of move in accordance to like school schedules mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, which I understand. So as, as leaders, how do we, how do we change that? I actually like, I, I'm kind of thinking, I like Scott's, what he said about how he, you can fire him any month. It's like this mm-hmm. checks and balances kind of accountability thing for his own. I, that's so, pretty cool. I've never really heard that before. So mm-hmm. to, to touch on that a little bit more, I know you talked about, you know, you said Q1 and then you said, you know, every month it tapers. See, I don't look at my business like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I say month to month. Yes, we all understand that. But like I said, getting back to that infinite player, man, I mean, you've seen me run my business. I can't tell you how much I made last month. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like seriously, <laughs> like I don't like. Not like the if best people, businessman. <laughs> phenomenal. But <laughs> knowledge of but, body. Okay, anatomy. let's take this, right? So one time you told me you've mastered the art of not giving a fuck. It took me a while, right? And it got me, but it's gotten me to the place where I work Monday, Wednesday, uh, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, okay? Friday, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. That's my schedule. And even when I am working, it's not working. You know, that's not working. I I, I can tell you, this is my 20th year. Are you writing programming during that time? Is that what you're doing? No. I work. I write program on Sunday, mm-hmm. but I know exactly how we're going. Remember, it's a recovery based program, so I know how we're going to recover. That's how we can train hard fifty two weeks out of the year because we're constantly recovering. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is, I, I this is my twentieth year in the industry. I can't tell you when I worked last. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's been phenomenal. It's done wonders for me. How you know? are you different now? from when you were starting 20 years ago? How is Scott Wells different? The answer I would give you now is um, I would say it's not that I'm different. I just know I'm not the same, if that makes sense, right, without getting too philosophical Mm -hmm. about it. But there's been so many things that have happened, and these are all stepping stones, 
you know, there's been, uh, I think I've talked about this where if you place yourself in the center and failures to the left and successes to the right, that's how a lot of people live. But it's not. You're, you're on a pathway and there's going to be failure, 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 success, failure, failure, success, failure, success. Didn't re- then it goes right back into failure again. You know, and I always talk about you're going to take an L. What does that mean? Most people think a loss. But you have, what else is an L? A learn. So you're going to take an L. You're going to either lose or you're going to learn. You know, if you don't, and you should be learning from it. So now, uh, you know, learning to, learning that sometimes not saying things are, are just as important as the things you do say, that's very important. But I, I don't train as hard as I used to near as hard as I used to. But what did you say earlier? You said you made a uh, you made a goal to be consistent. And that's what we talk about. Don't focus on results, focus on consistency. Because mm-hmm. if you're consistent, the r- results will come. We mm-hmm. can go hard, we can go nine hours tomorrow, right? Are you gonna see results? No, it has to be a slow, steady, you know, every day, right? Yeah. And um, I don't train as hard as I, used to either but i think it's i think i've just kind of shifted where a lot of that effort maybe has been placed or i think i used to get i know i got a lot when i was training hard i mean there's something you get back from that like it i think i think there's a we talked about this a lot the correlative relationship between doing hard things and reminding yourself you can do hard things and when you're training hard you seem to kind of push hard and other and it bleeds over into the rest of your life right Mm -hmm. um so I think I don't train near as hard in the gym as I used to, frankly, because there's I don't have the same desires, I guess, um, or maybe I've accomplished some of them, and now I'm, you know, now I'm looking for things that get me excited about the gym, right? I still love to mm-hmm. train, but you know, uh, yeah. What's the saying? But it's like, shifted, you know. When when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I get going out the door. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fuck all this. Huh? What am I doing? I, I went. <laughs> The beginning of this year, I turned 40 last November, and the beginning of this year, I made Mm -hmm. a commitment. I wanted to be in the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. And the first really four to five months, it was no cheat meals, no alcohol, recovery-based, just like two-a-day workouts. Mm -hmm. I do strength training at lunch and then interval trainings in the evenings, and I felt and just looked phenomenal. I Mm -hmm. I just it was I, I felt and looked the best I had ever in my entire life. At 40. At 40. Exactly. Five to six months in, I started getting nagging aches and joint pains and just waking up and just not feeling right, tightness. Mm -hmm. And it took more and more time for me to stretch and roll out every single day. And I started to ask myself, okay, am I pushing too hard? How sustainable is this at 40 years old? Mm -hmm. I, I look great. I feel great. I'm faster, stronger than than ever before in my life, and but is it is it worth sacrificing two hours a day training, not having a single oatmeal raisin cookie, not ever having a drink, nothing like all of that stuff, and I kind of fell back a little bit and pulled back. I'm training five to six days a week now, but not as hard as I was at the beginning of the year. Wouldn't you say it's a hell of a lot easier to maintain it? It's it is to much get it? easier. I have give, we talk about that lesson all the time, man. It's like it's a way, easy, way harder to 
get somewhere than it is to stay there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't think that applies everywhere, but I think in fitness it does. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the people that are trying to get somewhere, you probably got a tough road ahead of you, but know that mm-hmm. it's going to eat once, if you can get there, <clears throat> it's a lot easier to maintain. Like I went to bed last night eating chocolate chip cookies, but I, I'm okay, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? You survived. Uh, 10.30 Pop-Tarts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, that's one thing that I noticed when years ago when I started having conversations with Chase and, and learning more about bodybuilding, I would see people, well, like Chase Banks, who stepped on stage and, and did fairly well for himself as a bodybuilder and then is just kind of jacked for life. Yeah. Now he 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 eased up on it, and like same thing with well, same thing with with all of us. We kind of reached a certain point, and I think you change. Scott, you could probably elaborate on mm-hmm. on this, but you change that homeostasis of where your body body operates at in terms of muscle mass, body composition, mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's a term for that. I can't remember the the name of it, but but basically, you get to a certain point in terms of holding muscle mass and. And that is your new baseline. That's mm-hmm. how you where you operate. And Chris, you, I was saw you a couple months ago, and you had, were stressed out, work finishing some big projects, and said you hadn't trained in a couple of months. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, God damn, I wish I could still look like Chris after <laughs> training for a couple of months. But you went through, I mean, the whole ordeal. You stepped on stage and did some incredible things in bodybuilding, and that's just kind of like who you are now. I tell people that I tell people kind of quasi that story sometimes uh, a lot is uh, I never in my life had abs and was like a, like a naturally in shape kind of guy. I had friends that were like that, that were, you know, they just kind of grew up with fast metabolisms and no matter what, right. Uh, that was never really me. But once you, once I got to that point, I've n- never not, I never went backwards. It was, it was such a learning experience, man. I've worked my ass off to get there, and it was ninety or one hundred and twenty days of of just being extremely diligent, and very strict, and strategic with all my foods. And which I I tell people all the time: if you seek out an expert, and you you can commit to ninety days, you could likely be irrecognizable than you are today. It's just a matter of doing everything right, and no one's really willing to do everything right. They're always kind of one foot in, one foot out, mm-hmm. so they just kind of tiptoe around it forever, right? But if you could give ninety or one hundred twenty days and get there, you're likely going to change your life, or you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel a hell of a lot better at the very least. Uh, but once I got there, it was a hell of a lot easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but but you do. You got to seek out. You, you got to seek someone out. You got to seek out an expert. Quit trying yeah. to just pussyfoot around and and figure it out yourself. Like yeah, we you'd... we do that with so many other things. And I think you could see that that correlation with successful people, like people who are successful. They seek coaches and they seek trainers because they know their time is valuable. So they say, okay, if I'm going to devote any effort towards this, I only have so much time to give. I need to make good use of that time. I don't know why everyone doesn't think that way. And that was kind of my point of saying, you see people in the gym kind of doing a bunch of different stuff and everyone kind of looks the same year after year after year. And I see him in there spending an hour, two hours every day doing the stuff, doing like, and they're probably following someone for a little while then following someone else and doing this. But like, hell man, just do it right for 90 days and save yourself the next 
10 years. You I know? think I, in, we've all witnessed that. You see people, and there's even, you can step into CrossFit gyms year after year, and you see people, it's like, you've been doing this for how many years, and you, n- no body composition change. Okay, their anaerobic capacity mm-hmm. is probably phenomenal, but diet and nutrition is such a key part of it, and I think there's a lot of people that are just not willing to make those changges <laughs> and those sacrifices. Stepping or, into or a gym pays is... pays 150 200 bucks for the coaching to yeah. do it or whatever. I think people probably view that as like, well, I know what I should be eating, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like a lean pocket. Yeah. You don't. You know? yeah. I think it, soup is it all kind of comes back to investing in yourself, you know, yeah. and I tell people, you know, if you if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait till you hire an amateur because then <laughs> yeah. you're going to be really fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always kind of piggybacking and going back to Keith Klein when I was working with Keith, he charged 250 to 350 an hour, okay? Most, most people would scoff at that. I remember the first time I met with Keith – I left out of there feeling that I got undercharged that I because I invested in myself not only for Scott Wells but for the education of everybody else that came through Live Strong Run Fast. And did you just I, have a meeting with him, or did you go through like a? I went through the whole uh, meal plan and stuff with him. Oh, okay. you know, but he, uh, like I said, I felt that I got every single penny worth. And what I find interesting about that is the fact that I, I hold you in this regard of being the most knowledgeable fitness professional in terms of anatomy and, and, and general well-being from a programming perspective mm-hmm. out of anybody I've met in my entire life. And the fact that you're still investing in yourself, you're still traveling to Singapore and meeting these people, you're still spending time with Keith Klein. I think that's a testament to what it takes to achieve and maintain greatness. I think it's just, I mean, it's it's part of me. It's my lifestyle. You know, that's why I keep saying, like, if you are looking to change, you know, like the LSRF lifestyles, training, traveling, trying new things. Um, and that can be in so many different aspects. Trying new things could be going from one gym to a different gym, a different program. Maybe you try a different supplement, you know, and it's a journey. You know, you, you might try something and, and guess what? Nine times out of 10, it's probably not going to work. But then you find that one that works. Um, you know, speaking about traveling, uh, in two weeks, I will be traveling. I'll be gone for a month. I'll be in Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, and, um, where else am I going? Malaysia. So while, while I'm over there, I'm definitely going to seek out, you know, when you go to different parts of the world, they see things differently as well, or at least they view it differently, but you can always bring that knowledge back and apply it here. So what do people when they when you're over in those places? Mm-hmm. Do people look at you funny, like tattoo? Uh, like, I always, yeah. <laughs> I mean, going off subject, I, I joke around because obviously my mother is Singaporean and my father's uh, blonde hair, crystal blue eyes. You know, when people they're come into the gym, they're like, "There's some white guy in the gym looking for you." I'm like, oh, "That's my dad," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I say, um, you know, when uh, I'm a foreigner in my own home. Because most people, you know, when I go home to Singapore, they know I'm not pure Singaporean, right? But when I come back to uh, America, you know I'm not pure American either. So the uh, I'm American until I commit a crime, and then they'll really hang me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely think that with the topic that we're on about how, you know, seeking out a professional, man, I think for a lot of people it's a cost issue. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't have – it's a priorities issue. 
a lot of people don't have a problem going out drinking and doing this and doing that and spending all types of money. But then, you know, I can sit here and judge you and say, oh, your priorities aren't straight. You know, you look at yourself, you're fat, overweight, out of shape, you know, sick, tired all the time, but you don't want to do anything about it. At the same time, that person might be looking at me and saying like, damn, all you do is dedicate your time to health and fitness and, you know, you, whatever it is, but I don't, you know, I can't judge that person as, as much as I don't want them to judge me either. So if you want to, if you want to die fat, happy and out of shape, then, you know, more power to you. You got to speak to people that believe in what you believe in. If I come in here and I'm talking about, you know, dating guys, you're not going to listen to that, right? Chris might, but you might not. Right. I don't discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get in where you fit in, man. We've got one thing that I do want to cover here. And as each of you had sent over some thoughts on, on talking points and I've got this, I'm just going to read it off. We're the last ones fighting for preventative care. American healthcare treats sickness. We're part of a small group who actually tries to prevent it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And Chris, actually, I'm curious on your thoughts of that topic. You and I have had a few conversations on it, but. We are the only, we're the front line of preventative care. I think I, I find. When you say we, elaborate on that. uh, I believe anybody that's working in the physical fitness industry. um, So I think that, I think they who the powers that be they want us to be fat sick and poor um and i think that we are fat sick and poor uh i think something i think the last uh statistic i read was somewhere around 40 million americans are diabetic uh so they 40 million americans are using insulin on a daily basis and something like 97% are type two. So for everyone who's not aware, type two diabetes is brought on by overconsumption of carbohydrates and sugars um, or over regular consumption um, or regular overconsumption. Um, I find it strange that we operate that way. I think it's strange that people don't understand what that is uh, a, a recent customer of mine a good buddy had a toe amputated from diabetes uh he's in his early 50s in shape guy um he he goes to the gym to exercise fairly regularly uh i see him regularly he has a toe amputated and i ask him kind of about his experience at the op- doctor's office and like you know what because he, he asked me about some supplementation and things he might be able to do. and um, But he didn't really ask me about any kind of n- nutrition choices or food choices. Like that that topic didn't get brought up in our discussion. And I so then I'm like, man, that's strange. Like, did his doc mention to him what might have brought this on? So I asked him. He said, no. <laughs> and I said, okay, so, so did he talk to you about carbohydrates, food, anything like that? No. So he cut your toe off? But he didn't tell you how to not get the other one cut off, like how to stop it. What he just prescribed you insulin or metformin, like that was it. He chopped a toe off and then gave you metformin to manage the the carbohydrate intake. He didn't say, "Hey, maybe not so much sugar next time." Like 
we had to amputate an uh, 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 an appendage. <laughs> like I don't, I just, I don't get it, man. It's mm-hmm. strange, and that's a lot of people that are taking drugs every month, and that's also a lot of money coming out of taxpayers' pockets to pay for essentially self-induced sickness. I'm, I'm. This is like I'm. We probably all have relatives that are di- diabetic, based on those numbers, right? So. I don't mean to be offensive, but I, I don't think that kind of stuff should be covered. I don't think tax, taxpayers should pay for, you know, self-induced sickness. I think if it's under our control, I think that should be, that should fall under our, our uh, responsibility. So mm-hmm. uh, I think th- that's an alarming number, dude. 40 million Americans. So like now let's factor how many of those are children, how many of those are much older, like 40 million Americans that are taking this drug every day to so that their body will properly process the sugars and carbohydrates they eat. I just don't get it. When I talk to Keith, he talks about um, the The reason I like it is because he talks about the psychology before anything, the psychology of how somebody sees themselves, you know, eating or what is healthy eating and this and that, you know, and people, people tend to view food as like a feel good thing. A hundred percent. You know, Mm -hmm. Like why? Why dopamine? did you like? Why did I have the pop tart last night? Why did you have the uh, dopamine? What? It, yeah, and, and, and that's what man. I'm saying. Yeah. Now, it, now it's coming in. One of the things that I feel you asked me earlier, what has changed? And the thing is, I've always had this Eastern mindset of recovery, and you know, I've never been the one to tell you come to my gym, you're going to get jacked. You know, I think, I think I'm the only one that talks about chemical health. You know, what do you mean? What is it? Chemical health is like basically your dopamine, your serotonin, your, okay. you know, all the the cortisol mainly. You know, um, it's like a, you know before the podcast we were talking about if you if you think, you know, you're a piece of crap, you're gonna say you're a piece of crap, and you're gonna do piece of <clears throat> piece of crap things, right? And that's the psychology of something. And what that does is when you have poor. Uh, the uh, poor chemical health that leads to poor mental health. And then all of a sudden, all the chemicals in your body become, you know, haywire. Your cortisol goes through the roof. Once you're, you know, remember cortisol is supposed to be in your system, out your system, you know. But when you have a slow drip of it all day, what happens is it becomes very infectious. You know, you start snapping at people. You start maybe in this situation, uh, making those poor food decisions, not just once, not just twice, not daily, weekly, but year after year after year. And of course, you know, what, what happens, you know, I I forgot what, um, if we're speaking just, uh, calories and mathematics, I think it was Gary Twobbs that, that put this into an equation. And he said, if you eat, let's say you're eating a 2000 calorie diet and you eat 10 calories over every single day, right? In 30 days, that's 300 calories. I mean, in in 10 days, that's 300 calories. In 30 days, it's 3000. You're putting putting on a, a pound every month. So let's just hypothetically just say 10, okay? So in 10 years, you've put on 30 pounds. What, you know... How many people are just eating 10 calories over? Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers are eating more than that. thousands of calories over. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's like I found something that works well for me. I know earlier you had said that 
you went really hard for like three months, no cheap meals, this, that, whatever. I've, th- I've kind of taken that vocabulary out of my, you know, I, just completely out of my vocabulary. Cheap Be- meal? Yeah, because I eat what I want to eat. You know, to me, le- okay, so let's say I go on this trip and I don't enjoy all the sights, the sounds, the foods of these different cultures. And I'm like, man, I got to stay on this chicken, brown rice, vegetable every single meal because, you know, and I don't eat the chili crab and I don't eat the, all the great foods over there. To me, that's an eating disorder. See, I can go enjoy it and it's come an back. Unhealthy relationship yeah. with food. And yeah. then I come back, I can get back on, you know, I've been meal prepping and, you know, I, I just got into my new house and it's like, I love cooking. You know, I love meal prepping and it's so simple. It is so simple. Most of my, the only thing I cook is the meats and all the other stuff is frozen. You know, like I said, it's one thing to eat for health, one thing to eat to be lean. But um, I'm, go ahead. I'm willing to bet you probably do something similar to me. And I bet you do the same thing. I don't know. You seem, you're really dialed in with your food right now, Sean. Mm-hmm. But I bet you probably do something similar to me. I have this like just kind of running total of macros in my head on mm-hmm. a day to day. So like, I know if I didn't train today, mm-hmm. I'm probably just naturally gonna avoid a lot of carbs. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still eat carbs, but I'm not gonna go eat a foot long sub sandwich or something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and if I did train that day, I've kind of earned it. I've earned the I've earned the carbs, so to speak. And I say carbs not because carbs are a bad thing, but mm-hmm. carbs are a fuel source. So you have two fuel sources: you have fats and carbs. So like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the only things your body uses fuel. So if you're not expending a lot of energy, if you're not using a lot of fuel, then be conscious of your fuel consumption. And I think that you don't have to be, you don't have to take notes all day mm. and track it all. If what you're looking to do is make, you know, small incremental changes in the right direction. Now, if, if you want to, if you're trying to get somewhere, like we talked about earlier, if you're trying to get that six pack, then yeah, you, you probably do need to put a pen to paper on a lot of your macros. But if you're just trying to maintain, move in a good direction, incrementally move your body fat down, get healthy, you just need to develop that understanding and healthy relationship of fuel or energy expenditure and fuel consumption. I think, you know, I run this, uh, so like I said, I've been doing a lot of meal prepping and posting it and stuff. And I've got a lot of people like direct messaging me and they ask me a lot of questions, right? Like how many macros is in that what's the calories on that how many ounces is the meat how what is this what is that and the thing is i I, no in serious i have no idea you know in my mind i want to tell them you know and i can answer them here in one fatal swoop right it's like you shouldn't need science to tell you what common sense should like i tell them i don't know what the fuck is it's like i put enough in like i'm a big fan of not overeating and people will overeat like crazy Mm -hmm. right so yeah and that's the thing a lot of people just go to any buffet or i mean uh, that's the worst place to fucking go but it's like go to any place any restaurant and they will give you so much food you know it's it's enough for probably at least two sittings for for us but i have no idea what i put in there i just section it out you know the I understand what carbs and shit are, right? But it's like, like right. I said, I've eliminated these things from my vocabulary because we need those. We need carbs. You know, I didn't tell you I need bullshit. Bullshit is French fries, all this other stuff, right? And people are like, oh, it's carbs. No, it's not carbs. It's bullshit. You don't need that. But 
grains, rice. You need sugars, you know? And it's like, but are you getting it from, like, shitty-ass sugars, you know? Or do you, are you, do, are you like, are you fruit. understanding? Yeah. And people always tell me this shit about, like, oh, you eat way too much fruit. And I'm like, dude, we're, we are so sick and fat as a nation. <laughs> yeah. It's not from eating too much fruit, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like the people telling you this shit, yeah. it's always the people that are like, you know, it's like Kanye said it recently. He's like, I'm not taking any financial advice from anybody that is broker than I am. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's funny, right? It's like Kanye is going to do Kanye things, but I'm not taking advice from somebody that isn't doing what I'm doing. Dude, we have, I, I, I've had conversations where people, with people about a protein powder and they just, they can't do it because it's got one gram of carbs, two, one, one grams of carbs, two grams. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. And I, what do you think's going to happen with that one gram of carbohydrates? Like what? Well, the, I mean, I that's think a, that's, that's an extremely unhealthy relationship with. That's the psychology yeah, of it. Because they've is. been told, you know, they've been told all this nonsense they've about. They've been told everything. Well, I mean, and, and look, it's not. It's it's the uh, industry's fault also, 100%. okay, because they come up with all these different diets and, and sure does it help some you know maybe you go on a particular diet because you have celiac disease or you have or whatever you might yeah. have right okay that's that's the uh, exception not the rule you know it's like I mean even though we're all individuals and different we're very similar you know like we all have two eyes and nose and mouth, whatever, you know, it's like, I mean, we, our systems work a lot, uh, alike. Yeah. So like you were saying earlier, like this stuff has been proven. What, why are we doing this and that? And I, it all boils back down to like the individual, you know, what are they happy with? What are they willing to sacrifice? Right. What are they willing to commit to themselves or whatnot? I think a lot of people are scared to come in. Like, I had a guy, I mean, this literally happened yesterday. I had a guy come in, he called me, he said, oh man, you're probably, you know, young guy in shape and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I take pride in it. You know, me and you have talked about this, just going off subject a little bit. You see all these people, they're like, oh man, I, I came off and now I don't drink anymore. And I'm so, I don't give a fuck. You know, what about all the people that had the, had the discipline to not drink? to take care of yourself, to, you know, yeah, that's good that you're taking care of yourself, but let's not make a whole fucking Instagram post about this shit and go, you know, like, come on, man. So the the thing is, it's like, people are scared. This guy calls me. I said, look, come in. This is the way I do business. I want to look you in the eye like a man, shake your hand and say, I'm going to take care of you because my death goal is to change the world through health and fitness, plain and simple. If you can be as transparent as possible, that, that is the best way to do business. You know, my, I, you know, same thing. I keep referring back to this Simon Sinek, but if you value people over profits, you're, you, you will be 20 years. I'll, we'll have this conversation again at, at, at the 30-year mark, at the 40-year mark, okay? You're, it's not just, a, hey, let me hit the lottery and get out of this thing. If I hit the lottery tomorrow, you are going to have some fucking baller shit to work out on at, at the place, right? <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't stop working. You know, because yeah. it's not work. Well, I think one thing that resonates with me about what you just said, I think the three of us are very like-minded in that our focus is helping people over profits. 
Yes, you need income to be able to support yourself and your family and all five kids and, you know, yeah. all, all It's of always that. the fifth one. It's always the fifth one that gets you. <laughs> so you need profits and income, but I think all of us are at a point in our lives where we focus more and make decisions based on what's right and what can help more people as opposed to what's going to get me more money. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I think the three of us are aligned on, which is part of the reason that I respect the hell out of, out of both you guys. I think we've, uh, we're lucky to have built businesses to, that, that serve people. I think, that was, I think it was intentional, yes. but we also should count ourselves uh, grateful to, to be in that seat. I, every interview I've ever conducted, the person on the other side of the table has told me, I just really like to help people. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, it feels good. You know, like everyone, like it feels good for everybody to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should we're, we should feel grateful and remind ourselves regularly that agreed to have built what we built. To, but to every one of us struggled to get here. Yeah, I mean, it, it was not an easy journey. For we we all have our stories, and and we all struggled. But I think once you get to that point in your life, it's important for you to be able to focus on, on helping others. So that was one thing that resonated with me. Something that you said a few moments ago about putting pen to paper and, and you don't, I don't think any of us are actually tracking our macros or anything. We just know how our body responds. We have kind of maybe a running total of, of protein and carbs or whatever we've been eating for that day. But we got to that point because at one point we were putting pen to paper yeah. We had to get familiar with it. We had to learn. I can ballpark how many ounces of meat are on my plate just yeah. because I did it for so many years. Now I kind of know what a Chipotle bowl is. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And and like you, if I'm not training one day, okay, maybe I'm not going to have that cookie. Maybe maybe I'm going to have an apple instead or maybe I'm just going to forego those extra carbs that day. We we have that type of a relationship with our food because of the time that we front loaded. And that kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier. As far as you spend the 90 days, 120 days to get your body to that point, it's more than just your body. It's your mind that you're conditioning and training and getting to that point as well. And once you hit the the pinnacle or whatever goal you're trying to achieve, you can let up a little bit and start coasting. And But by that time, you've also kind of developed patterns and habits in your entire life that will carry on with you. So I think, yes, it, while none of us are counting our calories, I don't want to dismiss the fact that it is important for people to start getting a better understanding of how their body responds to those different types of foods. Uh, yeah, true. And I think that that process is, is uh, very educational for, for yourself, right? You mm-hmm. learn a lot about your body when you are putting a pen to paper. I, I do. I, I give that advice a lot. It'll be the best couple hundred bucks you ever spend. Yeah. Go find a coach. That could help you. That, that will help you build a program, build a diet that says, "Put this in your mouth at this time. Put mm-hmm. this in your mouth at this time." Right? Uh, I'm going to plug Chase Banks here. I know yeah. he's been on the show, but that that guy just another yeah. Chase brilliant, is a wizard, brilliant yeah, guy, fantastic. We send a lot of our, our people to Chase, mm-hmm. and then uh, my whole team are all trainers and nutritionists. Uh, I've got some guys that work for me that are great, and they do yeah. a lot of like bodybuilding prep uh, clientele, and usually that's. You know, you might be talking as short as eight weeks and as long as 24 weeks, you know. Um, but I see those guys pull people down to from 20% body fat down to five, you know, in, mm. in a couple of months or three months or four months, you know. See, but to me, that's the most unhealthy sport. For sure. Bodybuilding? You know, yeah. Oh, 
For sure. It's non-functional. It's, it's very taxing on the body. Uh, it doesn't really uh, consider health and longevity. It's, the long, oh, that's a, what I was going to say, the longevity. A strategy, a strategy, a purpose. You're not eating for health at all. And I, I think that people try to conflate those two. It's, but that's the thing. Those guys mistake. have it down to a science. Yeah. They, absolute science. Well, the, the, the competitors, most mm-hmm. of them do, but training at legacy, yeah. there, there's a lot of bodybuilders there and it, it baffles me to see some of them, they'll walk in as they're getting closer and closer to time for the to stage. And they look just phenomenal. Like they're carved out of stone. They go step on stage, take some photos, get all their Instagram posts all out of their way and everything. And then two months later, you wouldn't think they had ever stepped in the gym. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's just this this yo-yo effect. Oh, time to bulk up now, and then they end up just going way to the to the extreme. And none of us, I don't think, have any sort of. I know don't have yeah, any sort of. I a mean, desire the yo-yo effect. I mean, I think is comes with the um, territory, right? Like if you're going to do that, and you're wanting to get bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller, and you know, I, I went through that phase mm-hmm. when I was using. But like, uh, I like what Sean Ray said. You know. They asked him, what is your body fat percentage? And he said, I have no idea. He goes, when I go on stage, the judges never ask what my body fat is. He uses the mirror, right? And th- that is a big tool, you know, but there, there's a lot of people that are just uneducated. What are the, the, the two things you can do? Now I say three, okay? I used to always say two, but now it's three. The three things that you can do that are the most anabolic things for your body, the first two, sleep and water. They're absolutely free but people fuck them up all the time. I like to add in the third one is stretching. It's absolutely free. People just don't do it enough, right? How many people that are like, you know, what is strength without flexibility and control? If, if you're just a strong-ass dude that can't walk down to the end of the driveway without getting tired to get your mail. Can't I mean, scratch that your back. Yeah. Can't wipe your ass, can't do anything, right? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. If you can't move without pain. Like gymnast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you see a lot of people with that mindset, you know. Um, The only reason, like earlier you said I pissed a lot of people off, but the thing is I I stuck by my guns, Mm -hmm. you know. And the only reason that I am in the shape I'm in, mentally, physically, emotionally, all that stuff, is because I stuck with something throughout all these years. Mm -hmm. If you ask me what do I think about, dog crap programming, you know, for bodybuilding or XYZ programming, CrossFit, whatever. My, my answer is I don't think about it because if, I, if I'm thinking about that stuff, I'm not thinking about live strong, run fast and how I can get the people that are, that I'm in charge of in the best shape of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, you know, I'm not out there trying to worry about this and that. So is live strong, run fast programming still what I remember it as? Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's it's always uh you know it's based like i said it's a recovery based program it's not a strength and conditioning program it's a conditioning and strength program i always kind of make the analogy of i'm sure you've been up late and seen an infomercial right and the idea is super simple and you're like holy shit i could have thought of that anybody could have thought of that yeah and all they did was change one little thing. Scrub daddy. Yeah. All we did was, uh, did you say scrub or tug? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, all I did was change one word, right? I changed from strength and conditioning to conditioning and strength. If you show up, you will, believe me, the strength, it will take care of itself. It's the conditioning aspect. I've always said this, and people think I'm joking. I'm being dead fucking serious. Your mile time is a lot more indicative of your health and fitness than how much you can deadlift, 
right? Your conditioning needs to be there. But I don't care about your physical conditioning. I care about your mental conditioning. Because how many times, as we've talked about just right now, do people get ready? You see these guys go buy the protein, go buy the clothes, go buy the shoes. Monday, I'm starting. Monday comes, and guess what they do? They forget to show up, right? And all of a sudden, they start, you know, just delaying, delaying, delaying. And I think all we've done over the years is just show people what a healthy lifestyle looks like. You don't come there to see how much you can bench press. You know, you come there because we have a great community. You're going to see your friends at 5 o'clock that are holding you accountable. It felt like a team. When I was there, it felt like a, a team. Yeah. So, yeah. and. But the thing is, we didn't have community. to announce it. We don't do all the dumb shit. No, like, you no, know. it wasn't. It definitely wasn't that. It, it was a real. It was a. It was real culture. It mm-hmm. felt like. Um, I think that's what. That's the word we're looking for. Because if you want culture. to build a business, you don't need to work work on the business. You got to work on the culture of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, I remember that feeling in the like uh, on Fridays. Uh, Fridays was like oh, monster, man. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, the so thing is, good. especially. Like everybody's like using, right? So you're pulling big ass numbers, yeah. like deadly. <laughs> oh, everybody's like, yeah. Man. I think it, I mean, no so bullshit. Is the, is the Monday through Saturday schedule still the same? Friday? Yeah. It, I mean, days? it's still, I mean, it still works on the conjugate system. You know, Monday's still dynamic repetition, lower body day. Tuesday's still max heavy effort, upper body days. Yeah. I mean, I can go through a whole system, right? I can explain it simply. If you can't explain what you do simply, you don't know it well enough, right? The conditioning aspect of it is something that I, I want to touch on a little bit more. Earlier in the year, whenever I was, I'll say, in the best shape of my life, mm-hmm. and I have to use that loosely because I looked better than I had at mm-hmm. any other point in my life. But I did Murph on mm-hmm. Memorial Day and had the slowest time that I had ever yeah. had. While I looked better, I was stronger and leaner. But I'm not even going to say what my Murph time was because it was quite abysmal and it mm-hmm. jacked me up. And then I and I think I even made a post on it about how important conditioning is. And it's something yeah. that admittedly I've neglected th- this year. I've been so focused on building muscle and then getting my body fat where I want because I failed whenever I said that. I want to be in the best shape of my life. I didn't really clearly define that in my mind. Mentally, I was just thinking I want to look jacked. That's what I was going for. Yeah. And whenever I did Murph, like it jacked me up. Like I was wrecked for a couple of days. Like my entire body was sore. My joints were like, it was not good (laughs) for me. So two things, right? Um, Remember, (laughs) you, uh, you had said earlier that you know, in 2004 or six or something, you know, you're depleting yourself and worried about your abs. And mm-hmm. you see your mindset never really changes. You're still worried about your abs, I think, right? <laughs> but <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, right? Yeah, it, it's always humbling when you get called out, right? <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing. With that particular workout, a lot of those workouts are insane, I don't fucking work out like that every day. I used to. I used to work out like that three times a day, you know? But they're they're insane. You cannot say, like, man, I did Murph and I was right. Of course you were. You did a mile run, you know, 100, 200, 300, you know, 100 Mm -hmm. pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 sit-ups, and with a mile run. Mm -hmm. I mean – what would imagine if you did that every day? Remember to, I, and you, you might, if you don't know much about Olympic weightlifting, 
you see a lot of this stuff with with uh, poorly thought out programs. They're like the Bulgarian system. The Bulgarian system had a pretty decent rate of success. What people don't tell you is it had a extremely high rate of failure and burnout because they were training so hard. The nervous system isn't meant to do that, you know. And it's like that's why you see these people getting injured and burnt out, and because the program isn't well thought out. I mean, in like you said, science, right? This is simple stuff. Are we moving in the sagittal plane? Are we moving in the frontal plane? Are we moving in the transverse plane? Are you training top? Are you training bottom? Are you moving right? Are you moving left? You know, all these things are extremely simple. And hey, yeah, what's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, think about like when you come in and I'm just using, I always say this, I'm going to speak for my program because I can't speak for anybody else's program. I don't know it. But I know what we do is when you come in, we train across all metabolic pathways and energy systems. You know, we're not going to neglect one or the other. And I feel that is how you stay healthy and produce longevity without uh, serious risk of injury. You can't say that you'll never get it injured, you know, because people will ask me, oh, when am I going to see results? Fuck, I don't know. Like what, you know, I mean, we state it. it this is the first thing you see when you pull up. Results are not guaranteed. They're earned. God, you know, the last time I was at LSRF, he had me doing like some jazzercise shit. I remember I was. I hate it whenever I go through. <laughs> Dude, did y'all see went, yesterday's workout, I the think, splits? No. I think I went on a Wednesday or something, but I was standing on. No, I don't remember. What it, I, one foot was just on the floor and the other foot was on a plate and I was having to slide oh, out like yep. do these like side splits. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Dude, I but was your adductors so jacked up for like I'm a telling week you that. the any Audi muscles, man. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I needed a leotard, man. It looked like late night. <laughs> let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about testosterone. Well, I dude, I do. My wife told me this story yesterday, but I think kind of goes to, uh, to to what we've been talking about here. My wife tells me this story yesterday about kind of her experience. Um, with testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> Shaving, you know, no, uh, with CrossFit and kind of get and and wanting to get in shape and everything. And she tells me the story last night, ironically, uh, I think it applies today, but, uh, she, at the time she was working out over, uh, with Daniel Brown at, uh, CrossFit Conroe. No, this is even before then. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is at a, Oh, with Eddie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Over at well, Blue Heron Bay. Um, so she goes with the friends. Capelite. Capelite. Yeah. yeah. And I think Marco was even training there. Yeah, too. He was. So, she, so she's in. A, she's going over there and working out with a friend, and uh, she decides that she wants to do CrossFit, but she wants to get in shape before she goes to the CrossFit gym. Okay. Mm -hmm. So before she goes to CrossFit, she wants to get in shape first. So she is like running her ass off trying to get in shape, and she's working out with her friend and doing all these things, you know. And uh, she kind of feels like she's. I guess getting close to ready. Um, so she goes to the gym and the first day is a hundred kettlebell swings uh, with like a 35 pound kettlebell or something. Mm -hmm. And she is humbled beyond belief, right? She's, everyone's finished and they're cheering her on. And every like some of us have been in that situation. It doesn't yeah. feel good. You're like, thanks for cheering, but I want to <laughs> crawl into a hole right now, you know? And uh, so she's getting cheered on and she's like horrified or mortified, you know, she's like, I hate, I hate this so much. But in our conversation, we just, uh, we kind of figured, I think she said it, she said, 
I was never going. Oh, she, she decided she was going to go back and like keep working before she came back. And Daniel was like, "No, Danny, just keep showing up. That this is the work. This is the work you got to be doing." And it, she said, "You can't." She was. I never. I was never going to climb that mountain if I just kept practicing on the hill. And I was like, "Oh, I like that. Cool. I married a good one." Uh, but I was. I was never going to climb the mountain if I kept practicing on the hill. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but I think that a lot of people have saying, that yeah. And it's like you, you know, and a lot of people keep showing. And a lot of people keep showing up to, for lack of better terms, random fitness. And it's not well thought out. Let's let's really think about this and put it on a simplistic level. Do you do you invest randomly or systematically? Mm. Systematically, right? I mean, most of us, you know, I just don't go throw stuff into. I have. I lost a lot of money doing it. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, uh, uh, what's that shit? Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I lost a ton of money doing that. But think about it like this: if you're not doing something that is well thought out and everybody's claiming this random stuff, here's something that's random, and I invite you to not try this. Put one bullet in the chamber and spin it. It's very random. We don't do things like that. They need to be... Insert disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Please do not do yeah. this. Yeah. But that's the thing. If, if you're doing something that is just completely, you know, here and there, and there's no thought-out process, it doesn't make sense. I think a lot of people are showing up to these places where um, people are just screaming out reps and they're not, or what to do, and they're not expecting anything out of you. If you're in a place where somebody does not expect something out of you, you're definitely in the wrong place. You know, because when you come in, you know, to my place, I expect you to learn. I expect you to understand what, what is going on. We're going to teach you. But if you've been there five years and you still don't know how to read what's going on on the board, you know, who is that on? Is that on me or is it on you? I think that that kind of goes back to what we first opened up at, in a, with leadership. That is an aspect of leadership. You're leading mm -hmm. in that manner. So you, you may not be leading, so to speak, but in, in, in some manner you are just by having those expectations of them. I'm willing to bet people show up to your gym because they they there's something in them that needs that mm -hmm. they need someone to expect something yeah. of them and they all and they need to fulfill it and you have to show them i mean there's a saying it says um you attract people with the qualities you display you keep them with the qualities you just you uh express right and it's like the one or possess so once you get someone in right whether that's through facebook instagram maybe somebody told you know a word of mouth now, you, you have to show them that you know what you're talking about. You've trained with me for years. You've never seen me push a new person off on somebody else. That is the time for me to shine, to let you know that, hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to guide you through this. And it doesn't matter if you're at a high level or a low level. The low level, the people that are untrained generally need more coddling and more instruction and everything else, right? Because they need to know like, man, I made the right decision to step into this place. I'm scared already. You know, they they have um, not like a uh, physiological, um, you know, they're, they're, there's a physiological deterrent 
a lot of times. They, they feel they can't do it, but even more so, there's a psychological deterrent. Imagine if, let's say you, uh, let, let's take your wife, for instance. She doesn't train as much as you, I'm sure, but let's say she hurt her back doing deadlifts. And then you come and start training with me, you're seeing good results, and all of a sudden she's like, what are you doing? Because you're seeing good results and you're like, man, come to the Friday class, there's a ton of girls that train there, you know, it's real inviting, and she's like, man, I haven't trained in a long time, and you're like, no, Scott's going to take care of you, I promise, right? But then she remembers, like, oh, man, I, I'm kind of scared to train because I hurt my back doing deadlifts, I was doing the wrong form, the people weren't watching me, and then she comes Friday, and the first thing I tell her is like, yeah, we're doing max effort deadlifts that day. <laughs> Psychologically, she's like, uh, I'm, I'm scared, out. I'm yeah. out of here. Out. Yeah. And that's where, like I said, the... You have to show them now that, hey, I know what I'm talking about. This isn't what you're doing. We're going to do something completely different. So people always ask me, man, you've been doing it for 20 years. How You know, you have to be a good people person. A lot of times running a successful business or a successful gym doesn't have shit to do with understanding programming. Understand, It's just like being a good people person, building a good community. Like I said, that's what I've done over the past 20 years. I mean... Really? You think people came to that gym because they liked you? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I have this weird... Delusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is motivation by humiliation. Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget you brought a friend. Uh, like... I think you were there. We were doing, it was a Friday and it was like, he, he was at the, he worked for you and he had like basically a spaghetti strap, like, you know, the shirt, <laughs> the fucking shirt on. And we were doing max effort deadlifts. It was Friday. And we, and there was like 30 people in class. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but I'm out that. there and I'm t talking about, you know, how I always do it, explaining the deadlift and everything. Mm -hmm. And I swear there's like 30 people there and I'm trying to figure out, you know, cause we needed like four people at every rack now. And um, I'm telling everybody, okay, break up into this. And I get over to Chris. I know how much he lives, but I don't – his friend is, like, lean, you know. And uh, he goes uh, – I said, bro, um, how much do you deadlift, like, so I know where to put you? And he, like, puffs up his chest. He's like, 315? I said, okay, you go over there and work with Nicole and all these people, right? Because, like, at the time, like I said, everybody's, like, using and shit, right? And it's like we're pulling fucking five, six, you know, 700 pounds. I'm like, we're not going to be taking the fucking plates off for you, like, going back and forth. like. Go get and, and it's like it was so, like... I remember it was just so humbling for him. He was like, huh. I'm never coming back to this yeah, second place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, bitch ass. <laughs> but the testosterone, so, you know, earlier before this, we were talking about testosterone, and Chris brought up something. He said when people walk into his uh, facility, right, to buy stuff, a lot of times they're probably looking for things that are behind the glass. Yeah. They think it's going to help them the most or whatever. The real but, stuff, yeah. But, I mean, I I have always been completely honest, and from the time I was, like, 28 to the time I was 38, I didn't use steroids. I abused steroids. And, I mean, I use my body as a uh, lab experiment. People don't – you know, a lot of people don't know me from high school, but I, I was a small guy my whole life. When I went into high school, I was 4'11", 98 pounds. When I graduated, I was, like, 5'8", 150 and I never hit a growth spurt until like my second year in college. And then from there, you know, I started, you know, I, I'd always been good at cross country and long distance running and, you know, uh, like the 400 and all kinds of stuff. But I had an engine on me. 
but there comes a time where I was like, okay, well, I wonder what it's like to be like a jackass dude, you know? And I started experimenting. Went up to Westside Barbell. I developed a, you know, rest in peace, Louis Simmons. But it's like I developed a phenomenal relationship with Louis where I could pick up the phone and call him anytime. Sometimes uh, sitting down with that guy, man, I would learn more in a conversation than taking a PhD course. I told the story of you uh, the other day going up to to meet with Louis. I told that mm-hmm. story. I was in the context of uh, talking about investing in yourself and taking whatever steps necessary uh, to either move to the next step or move to the next level, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and I, I told the story of you going up to meet with Louis and yeah, a lot having of, to sit out on the steps and yeah. made you wait for however long it was. It was, a, it was a Thursday when I called. I called up to Westside Barbell. Uh, I was sitting in my gym but I called up there to ask questions about the reverse hyper. And uh, on the phone, I was asking, and I said, do you mind, uh, who am I speaking with? He said, this is Louie. And at the time, I'm like starstruck and shit. And, you know, I'm, and I'm telling him all this stuff. He's asking me a lot of questions. And uh, he says, uh, look, I've read all those books. He said, look, Westside is an a invitation-only gym. If you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, please feel free to stop in. I'd love to meet you. That was a Thursday. I was there Monday morning in the in a snowstorm. My my buddy that was going to Ohio State, Dylan, had dropped me off at the doors at at eight a.m. shortly after Louis pulled up, and uh, he asked if and when he came up, he's like, "Can I help you?" And I was like, "Hey, Louis, this is Scott Wells from Lift Strong Run Fast. I spoke to you Thursday." And he's like, "Man, get your ass inside. It's cold, you know." And as we went in, he told me that he looked over my website and, you know, I told him I run the conjugate system. Uh, it's not like the uh, West side runs theirs for power lifters. I run mine for general physical preparedness and I changed some things and whatnot. And he told me to sit down and he said, um, explain your system to me a little bit. So I said, okay, well, I told him it's different than yours, but we work on, you know, mini micro, micro, meso cycles. Uh, I said, my, my Monday is my dynamic repetition, lower body day. I said we do auxiliary, ancillary exercises after we do our core exercise. I said since I'm running it for general fitness, we also do metabolic conditioning that day. On Tuesday, those are our, our max heavy effort upper body days. You know, this is the way I run it. He says, stop right there. He goes, I, I can tell you know what you're talking about. He said, if I would have asked you, uh, to explain your system and you would have said like, huh, or what do you mean? He said, I would have told you, get the fuck out. And I mean, I always remember that because it's like, you know, every time I've met somebody that has come way before me, whether that's David Wex, Steve Cotter, Steve Cotter pulled my card quick. And he was talking about, oh, so you, you know, you went to this school in Kansas, who was the coach, this, that. And I was like, because this is the thing. If you're, these people don't want to waste time with people that are bullshitting, right? And, you know, you can see right through the BS with somebody. So for me, like I said, when I go somewhere to seek out knowledge, it's it's not it's not even about knowledge anymore. It's about humility and even more so it's about the wisdom. Because that will the wisdom will take a lifetime to learn. I told that uh I told that story along with uh another one a friend of mine who he always wanted to get into the oil and gas industry Mm -hmm. uh never worked in the industry prior um very successful guy knew that he 
someday wanted to step in that industry and kind of see what he could do. And mm-hmm. he he had a friend of his who had ownership in a company that, uh, you know, and I guess he he had said, well, you know, why don't you come along to some meetings and you can kind of sit in and listen. You know, so he went to some board meetings and he would sit in and listen, but he didn't, he didn't understand what they were talking about. So he went and bought some oil and gas textbooks and he read textbooks. And this is at an age of 38, 39, 40 years old. And he's reading oil and gas textbooks to try to, just so he could understand what he was listening to in these meetings. And that was always a story that had a lot of impact on me. I always thought, man, people kind of assume, I think, that you either have it or you don't. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. I think everybody is constantly trying to Try to try to invest in themselves, and if you're if you're trying for anything, then it, you're working forever, right? You're you're going to be investing in yourself or, or seeking knowledge in some form or fashion. Um, but it, it's not as well. I just don't got it. I mean, that dude read an oil and gas textbook. How do you close that gap from people that come into your store want the stuff behind the counter? They want the easy button. The people that come into the gym <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, I want to get Jack next month," type of a thing. And but they're not. I don't think that people truly understand the amount of effort and work that it takes to achieve great things mm. in in any aspect of life, or to gain yeah. knowledge like you have on anatomy, knowledge like you have on nutrition and supplementation and things like that. But I see there's these kind of subsets of the population. You've got kind of the 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 lazy, out of shape people that, that want the easy fix, and then you've got people that constantly push themselves. How do you bridge that gap and transition from one of these lazy folks into <laughs> somebody that accomplishes great things and is respected and admired by other people um i'll i'll answer something i uh it's funny because i give them like ridiculous answers right you know like dude how do you get your legs like that i'm like i pick my parents wisely like you know it's (laughs) it's i mean some of it has to do with genetics and you have to be patient you know uh i mean you joke around about anatomy but i'm like all right we're gonna we're gonna use our right hand and i'm like Okay, your other fucking right hand, right? <laughs> so, so, I mean, people sometimes it's like you got to be patient. And believe me, there's so many times I go outside my gym looking at the sky and, you know, give the finger and ask why. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you talk, you talk about good and great. And I have some thoughts on that as well. Um, you said that you were working out hard and for yourself. You're doing all these things. And if we think about a pyramid – right? The, the base of the pyramid is big. The top of the pyramid is at the point. And I think we've all been to the top of that pyramid um, at certain times in our lives and certain aspects or whatnot. But you, what is you, the proverbial pyramid? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So I, I talk about it like this with, um, you know, um, uh, rock bottom will teach you lessons a mountaintop never will. And I, I know we've all been to the top right? And at the top, it's lonely. You're looking down on everybody else. You took a lot of, you did a lot of things to get up to the top, right? But sometimes people think good and great are the same thing. I think, you know, I think great and good are not the same. It's almost the antithesis of great, where good is I mean, you're just there, and I'm happy to be good. I'd rather be down here with everybody else because this is a community. 
Unfortunately, I'm just stuck up here at the top. Yeah. Looking down on all you losers. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and, and I honestly believe that. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm glad that there's different points in times that we did the things to get to where we are. But now, I don't want to say I'm, I'm coasting because I'm always, we're, you know, as, as somebody who has the mindset of just, I don't want to say always be better because I don't want to put out there like, man, I'm always reaching, always reaching, you know. I think that's one of the biggest differences. Like if you would have asked me who I was before, I'm always trying to get something. I, I was always trying to be better. Now I'm happy with who I am. You know, I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, and that says a lot because if if you're working with somebody that is always trying to improve um, something, that that can be very detrimental at times. Yeah. I, I had a conversation recently with my dad and I told him something similar. I said, uh, so, so my wife and I are starting a new business and, uh, can you say or no, or what is it? Or uh, it's a, a logistics business. Okay. And, um, so we've spent the last, uh, six months or so, uh, working on that. And it's, it's kind of at a, a launching pad point right now. So it's fixing to take off. Um, and I was telling him, you know, I'm not sh- I'm not struggling, but I'm, I've had points of struggle throughout this process where I'm like, man, dude, I really wish I could tap in that Chris from five years ago mm-hmm. or, or 10 years ago. Like I kind of need that guy because that guy, I felt like I was a machine. I woke up every day to, and breathe fire and I was could dunk on LeBron, could dunk on LeBron. And I just, I just felt like I could do anything in the world. And uh, I was constantly push, 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 push. And I, I woke up with that with a mindset that I was going to get it mm-hmm. no matter what. It was like this, this wholehearted belief. Right. And now much like you, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content in different areas that maybe I wasn't content in previously. Um, so I've pulled back. Maybe you could say, um, I'm still pushing in areas, but I, my, my life is a bit slower, I guess. Um, but there's been times where I'm like, damn, I wish I could tap that guy in. I need mm. a savage motherfucker to come in here and take care of business. You know. So how do you? How do you? Well, okay. But I think that's who you are. That's the thing. See, and, and not to interrupt you, but I think a lot of people will hear me say that, and are like, "Oh God, that dude's just coasting." But then they see my lifestyle, and it's like I'm up at four a.m. every morning. Yeah. I'm getting things done. I'm I'm knocking things out. That's still, just who I am. Still training. Still a good dad. Yeah, still, still running the business. Like I, I, it's funny. We just probably hold his, our standards are just probably high for ourselves. Um, yeah, and, it's definitely not coasting. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I think it's just inherent in you, and it becomes it becomes natural. Like I'm not gonna just. I, I know you know. I know what lazy is. I by no means do I feel lazy. You know, but at the same time, I'm not. Uh, I I think that guy is like you said. You wish you can tap that person. I'm. I mean, you're starting a new fucking business. That guy isn't there. You see it's what true. I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's true. like I mean, I yeah. I honestly think that it's maybe you think about it differently, but I mean, it it's still there. You know, this is your hundredth episode. Yeah. The fuck? You know, like come yeah. on, man. You know, I mean, this is my twentieth year. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, another thing that has changed, and I just. I keep going back to that question because I think of things, right, as we're talking, is uh, I tell myself, good job. You know, I, I'm not as hard on myself as I was. 
you know, because I mean, I should be learning, you know, whether that's better patience, you know, with people, with my kids, whatever it might be, mainly with myself. You know, I, I, I don't get as upset with myself. You know, that could be like a chemical thing, right? <laughs> it's like or whatnot. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't sweat the small stuff anymore, you know, or as much at least. And that makes makes me a much happier person, mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, this is something I try to do, and it, could, it might sound completely silly, but like I go to a store, I I try to talk to people I don't know. I try to say hi to people, you know. I mean, it's just a, because I know it makes other people feel more comfortable talking to you. Also, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you. And you, I mean, my whole body is tattooed, right? I can't tell you that how many people feel comfortable coming up to me and talking, you know, it's not prison shit or whatever, but it's like people are intrigued. People look at Chris and they're like, how do you look like this? You know what? You know, they, they see you and they're like, you know, what, what are you doing to be in this type of shape? You know, but you can't be like an asshole and, and be pushing people away. So one of the things I've tried to do, like I said, is just be a be a nicer person and talk to people and say hi to strangers and stuff like that. And I, I feel that makes me a much happier person. I wonder if those people are not inherently lazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just aren't. Maybe they maybe they don't yeah, have yeah. someone in their life who who can kind no. of give them that lesson, who can tell them that story <clears throat> yeah. about showing up to West Side two days later or buying that oil and gas textbook like maybe they don't have someone in their life to say hey no 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 dude it's if you want something you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work now don't get it wrong I try to avoid these motherfuckers too so it's like (laughs) but here's the thing I I think you're definitely on to something as far as the people that we have in our lives but the onus is on that individual to go seek out and make time for those people in their lives. So all of us are, are busy in, in what we do. I would love to have the opportunity to chat with you guys more often, but we all have our own lives yeah. that we're working on. We all have just things that, you know, that's just, that's just life. And you mentioned something earlier as far as, man, I wish I could tap into that Chris from, from five years ago. Well, we, we all go through these seasons of life, which you and I talked about on one of our previous episodes, you go through these seasons of lives uh, of our life and the pendulum is swinging. Like here, here's hardcore, aggressive Chris, like just crushing everything in life. And here's coasting, just spending time with the family, enjoying life, relaxing, staying on a beach type of a thing. And this pendulum swinging back and forth. And maybe you've just gotten to a point where you're enjoying life. You're spending time with your family, your beautiful daughter and Danny and, and all of this stuff. And you're now getting to this point where, hey, I'm about to have to tap in to five years ago, Chris, to to really build something up and great. Both of you are entrepreneurs. You know that it doesn't come easy. It is very, very taxing and challenging to build a business. Once you get once you eclipse a certain threshold, you can coast or you can keep building just like we've talked about in, in fitness. But I think it's important to be aware of that pendulum and have that element of self-awareness and say, hey, I need to tap into this, Chris. And maybe I do that by spending more time with Sean, the other guy that you were mm-hmm. just talking about, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you and I talked about me having the opportunity to go sit down with yeah. him. That dude is impressive. That's a good example, man. So he met you. So 
you know, for the audience, they y'all two ran into each other at the store. Yeah, by accident at the store. Uh, both named Sean, so that could be confusing. But having met you for well, what did we talk for 10 minutes? Max? 10, 15 minutes max. He steps away from you briefly and immediately says to me, I think I might hire that guy for, uh, as my coach, as a business coach. Like he is exponentially successful. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know, but he's very, he's a very successful guy. Right. And ownership and some big, big companies and, uh, everything he touches seems to turn to gold. Uh, and he's looking for somebody to coach him to become better in small things that he knows he's not as good as he could be at. So even him, he's looking, he's looking for, he's looking to improve. Like what an example of like, it never really stops, man. If, if there's anything you want, it's, it's going to take effort to get there. And there's going to be things that, you know, might come easy and things that are going to be tough. And, um, I want to, I want to tie that back into the pyramid that you were mm-hmm. talking about earlier and how it can be lonely at the top. And this vision just kind of came to me and I'll show this to the, show this to the camera. I don't know if you can actually see that, but I've just basically just have a triangle drawn here. Yes. Once you make it to the pinnacle or the top of this pyramid, it can get lonely because there's not as much stuff up here, but it doesn't have to be lonely because if we broaden our horizon and start mm-hmm. meeting other people, we realize there is a lot more mm-hmm. to life. There is a much bigger pyramid. Now you're just kind of operating here at the mid tier. You just have to find those people and surround yourself with this next middle tier so that you can start moving in the right direction. And I, it is our responsibility once we recognize we're there to start seeking out individuals like that and pushing ourselves. That's very true, man. I'm sure everybody could probably say there's one or many points in their life where they thought that that was the best, right? When they got it, they were like, this is the, this is the best, this is the best I've been. This is the the furthest I've got. I'm in terms of their life. They're at the top. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it likely continued to evolve into other things. And, you know, had more and more of those experiences. Yeah. So what do you think your like for you, what do you think your, um, in a, let's say in six months or a year, what, what do you have planned? Like to ask you a question, like, what do you have planned? Where do you see this going? What do you want for Sean? I've thought a lot about kind of my own personal goals and over the years, those have, have shifted. I used to be very inwardly focused. I want that six-figure salary. I want that VP title. And, and as those things came, I wanted more. And I came to the realization over the past probably five to six years that those were very inwardly focused. And it was very selfish of me. And I can go back to my childhood as far as why I had that mindset and mentality now I'm, I want to impact the generational legacy of everybody that I interact with by helping them become the best versions of themselves, by helping them become the strongest man in their bloodline, the most successful entrepreneur in their family. And if people have aspirations to go to college and get advanced degrees, that's fantastic. I want people to become the best version of themselves and trying to figure out 
what medium allows me to do that. Social media is challenging to do it. The, the podcast, the YouTube channel, but I think a lot of it just comes down to networking with people. And I found that I can have the greatest impact in coaching people. People, you know, my coaching program started out with just helping people focus on their career. And that's grown into, yes, we incorporate elements of, of fitness and well-being into it, but then also just, just life because all aspects kind of play into one another mm -hmm. to achieve those successes in life. So you ask kind of what my goal is. It's to, to help as many people as possible achieve success. And to your point, people that you interview, oh, I want to help people. Yeah, that's, that's easy for, for people to say, I have a vision in terms of how I want to execute that. And that is my purpose. As opposed to, oh, it's nice to help people type of a thing without really having any intentionality or thought behind it. This show, getting this message out here, networking, spending time with people like y'all, like um, and then helping people cross that threshold from this dark place in their life into a better place. There's a lot of people that need help from that, that place that don't really have anything identified. You know, they don't really have a goal. If you asked them what, that's a big question for a lot of people and a really intimidating one and one that I think most people probably avoid and they, or they might have a short goal maybe. Um, but if you asking per someone what their five year plan is or their five, mm. five, 10 year goal is, that's an intimidating question for a lot of people. And, uh, I've got a younger brother by about nine, nine years and I talk with him a lot about purpose and identifying what just acknowledging what you want and it and i think he's in his late 20s uh but acknowledging what you want and admit and being honest with yourself that you do want more because i think a lot of young people um are in a place where if they just kind of avoid that thought like if they don't admit to themselves that they want more then they they kind of avoid failure in that way you know um but in Admitting, being honest with yourself, admitting to yourself that you do want more. Maybe you can't quite identify the exact goal yet, but identifying that you want more and, and looking for that opportunity. And then going back That's to self-talk, yeah. like you said, like if uh, being careful with that self-talk, man, if you if you talk to yourself like you're not capable, it's going to be real hard to, mm. to notice opportunity when it comes. Yeah, I see a lot of people, and I use this in the gym, they always come in, they're like, oh man, I just gotta find myself. You know, I'm here to find myself. And I'm like, dude, you're not here to find yourself. You're here to create yourself. And that's the thing. I mean, you can be anything you wanna be. You know, you wanted to start a podcast, we're 100 episodes in, right? And you wanted to start a business, right? You have to put the effort in to do it, but you created that. You know, you're not finding it, you're creating it. And that's where, like I said, with that mindset, it's, when people, they have to be coached on it because maybe they don't know. It's just like if you had a child, you know, like your daughter, she doesn't know how to do these things or whatever you might be asking her to do. She doesn't know how to do math problems. So she has to be taught. You know, it's just like that with, we forget that as an adult, we would sometimes almost have these um, unachievable expectations for people, you know, like speaking in, about health and fitness. You're, you're asking somebody who has been sick, fat, and tired their whole life to completely make this change that, yeah. you know, 
So it has to be baby steps, right? It has to be incremental, make one one change, you know, and then, but, you know, they have to continue to keep coming back so they can make these changes. So, you know, in my, I have this thing called a, a fingerprint program. So it's unique to you, you know, and basically what I do, I take all your body analytics, weight measurements, all that stuff, and I take your pictures, but then we sit down and we do an interview. I interview you on what you are doing throughout the day, and we create basically meal lifestyle plan on how you need to approach this thing. But it's not like a psychiatrist. We're not going to keep – see, this is weird to me when people continue to keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. I mean, it's not a one-and-done thing, but once I show you how to do it, I'm not trying to just get money from you every time. This is what you do. You know, you've been doing – Is there anything else you wanted to really talk about, Sean, or no? I was telling Scott uh, while you're in the bathroom, the best sushi spot anywhere, and I've eaten a lot of sushi, is in Wood Forest. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like you just wouldn't think, but it's this tiny little spot. It's mostly a bar. It's like a handful of tables. It's called Woe Sushi. Huh. It's called Woe Sushi Fusion. And it, man, the owner's always there. You could tell, like, he's shaking hands and, like, making custom rolls and custom this and that. Like, he loves, loves, loves sushi. And you could tell, like, the first time you meet him, you just know this guy's passionate. And actually, the first time I was there and I and I met him and spoke to him briefly, I, I just said, hey, man, make me three of the best rolls you've ever made in your life, you know? And he's like, well, you know, what do you like? And I'm like, what do you like? Just make me something awesome. And he, he made me three rolls, and they were the best. And, uh, man, it's just they have they have beers for $2.95. Like, first off, I think that's the bet. Like, if you're not trying to get one over on me with a beer, like, if you're willing to sell me beer for two ninety five, like, I like you already. Like, the the rolls, are I think, are, like, 18 bucks, So, like, about normal. Fish is, like, piled off the top of them. I mean, just presentation off the charts they bring it out in like a giant wooden boat and all this elaborate stuff the guy's name's sam super awesome um japanese dude or uh, white dude white? i don't know man it looks like you <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I didn't ask if he looked good <laughs> yeah. but so if you go meet sam say hi order you know off the menu or ask him to make you something awesome mm-hmm. but it's the best sushi spot ever. whoa whoa sushi fusion yeah all right i'm gonna check it out yeah for sure Sean's taking us out afterwards. Oh, yeah. nice for the hundredth yeah, episode. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we covered a lot of good stuff today. One of the things that that I liked is is being able to kind of bridge that gap and talk through it because we we opened and started talking about you know people that are in that that dark place, that bad place, but then you have other end of the spectrum of of accomplishing great things, pinnacle of fitness and life and and all of that stuff. I think more people need to help others bridge that gap and come along with them. I see some people in business, especially in corporate America, where they, they climb that corporate ladder, they get that big title and that salary, and they just continue to be inwardly focused on make more money, make more money, and they don't ever actually end up turning around and helping people along the way. And I think that's very unfortunate when, when that occurs. I don't think I did a good job of like when when we first opened up and started talking about that, like the how COVID kind of changed things and like people are kind of in a dark place. 
that's kind of where that's where I was trying to go with that was like mm-hmm. I think now more than ever we need to recognize that the the climate has pulled a lot of people down um, and they're just kind of in that a negative headspace they're quick to talk about things that are you know not happy things they're mm-hmm. they're quick to talk they're quick to quick to talk about what's going wrong um, and I think so many people doing that over and over and over again we interact with a lot of people so i have a lot of these conversations and that's kind of what i what i see man people are really like that's the that's the new weather is like man would you believe how shitty that was you know and it's like golly man we're diving into that so i think now more than ever be conscious of that man if if uh it's, it's time to be a leader if you can be and and lead those people away from those things don't add to it don't be so quick to kind of dive into the, the i think social media is a big contributing factor of course to that. it is man and it's easy I, i've got young guys that work for me that i mean dude they almost daily they want to talk to me about ridiculous stuff that the democrat party did in the government and the executive brand i'm like why are we even talking about this man like how is it how has it got a grip on you so tight that that's the first thing we talk about, you know, and uh, and I guess that's what I mean. That's what I've recognized is like, dude, I gotta, I gotta lead these guys out of this. I, I either am not doing enough, or, I, or I just, uh, yeah, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> but I need to do more so that either I lead by example, or um, that's a, that's a trap that's also easy to fall into if you're trying to help people and. In my full-time role leading HR, there's a lot of terminations that I get to witness and, and be a part of. And there are times when leaders will spend years working with somebody, trying to coach them, trying to guide them, trying to help them. And they just don't get there for whatever reason. There's just not, they just don't get there. And when that leader sits down and has to terminate that employee and that employee feels just completely blindsided and confused by it. Inevitably, the leader looks inward and thinks, man, I didn't do enough. I I didn't do enough. But it's also important to recognize what impact that person is having on the broader organization. Is this person just completely toxic, creating a hostile work environment, and you've got 10 other people on the team that are miserable while you're sitting here as a leader trying to not fail this person and get them to a better place? At some point, you have to be able to recognize that and think, hey, I've got to, I have to take care of the rest of the team here. And that means making a difficult decision and letting this toxic individual move on to another stage in their life or to another location. So it is easy to get sucked into, I didn't do enough, or I'm not doing enough as a leader. You you want to invest in those people and help build them and grow them and develop them, but it can turn into a bit of a trap if you're not careful. And that's just something to be aware of. That's what we were talking about earlier. Like you're just too hard on yourself. I think like sometimes the best thing that can happen is you burn that bridge and let that person go. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're literally doing them a favor because if it's not you that's showing them like, see, I mean, I, I'm not about the coddling mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's like, it's time to shape up or ship out or you, you gotta go, mm-hmm. right? And the best thing I can do is fire you mm-hmm. because you're gonna learn right now that, you know, this, uh, as lack of a better term for you, creating this toxic work environment, 
you know, everybody is miserable because of you. You got to go make somebody else miserable because you're not going to do it here. You know, so like I said, it's not that you're failing people, you know, you, you just, I, I wouldn't look at it like that at least. Yeah, no, not, but it, not, I'm, I don't feel like I'm failing, but I, I do remind myself regularly uh, to, to stay conscious of it so I, I I don't fall into it myself and then I continue to lead and hopefully be an example for them of you know in yeah. some way uh, and that's the best we can do lead by example yeah and I'm certainly not uh, I'm certainly not in favor of coddling anybody either uh, but man some of these dude some of these guys just never had anyone else to you know and, I, and I'm kind of speaking particularly to a, a younger generation uh but man they don't they, they either never had anyone and they currently don't have anyone and who better than you or you or myself like i mean we could definitely be that person uh, and <laughs> i mean as yeah i think as uh confucius say right you um like somebody who is like ordinary right they want to seek all these great things through enlightenment but when you're enlightened you seek all the great things through being ordinary so you're not it's you know you're you you can only help so much you know you can't be this extraordinary person that can do all kinds of things all the time you know i mean you're fucking chris that's it Right, and if people want to look at what you are providing and be a follower and take advantage of that and understand that you're trying to lead them to a better place, that's fine. If not, then shit, you know, you got to go. That's tough. I had to. A member of one of my teams in the past. I'm I'm flashing back to ended up having to let that person go, and they, they were very toxic. They thought everybody else was the problem. But they ended up, I mean, they were the, the problem. And despite all my best efforts and one-on-one time and coaching and working with them, just couldn't get them there. It was tough. It was, it was really tough. And have a, a mutual friend with this person, and every now and then I'll just say, hey, how, how are they doing? They're in the same dark place. They're just as miserable at their new job and company, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, if the common denominator is you – then yeah something yeah. is up right well, you know sean's 100 episodes in if he continues i guarantee he'll continue to sharpen his spear and kind of fine-tune his uh his his method right which is language and and kind of speaking to people um I, and as he polishes that like you're you're essentially going to be teaching lessons and kind of leading through that microphone uh, if you choose to continue at the 200th episode and the thousandth episode and uh, you're going to keep getting better and better at that. So I guess I keep reminding myself of like, man, be conscious of the language and, and be good at those things. You got people that are looking at you and are looking to you. And I, you know, I, I don't like look at myself as I'm this big leader and I need to lead, but I do need to be conscious that people do look to me. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, same question for you. What do you see yourself doing in six months to a year? Uh, well, I've been looking at nuclear fallout shelters online. And, uh, <laughs> online. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get that shipped to you. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, 
Well, uh, Danny and I, the, the new business venture is occupying almost 100% of our time. And frankly, I, I we built a new uh, ice cream smoothie bar in the store mm-hmm. uh, and that we just got our final permits. So we open week after next. And that's been six months of, of kind of putting that new business together, which essentially it's a business within one. Yeah. Um, that I didn't anticipate being as difficult as it has been. But, I just uh, thought you were going to pick up some blenders and protein. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, we're just like, blending stuff up. But man, it's it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. And I'm like, you know, there's times where I'm like, God, I'm just building a smoothie menu, Chris. Like, come on, dude. But it's hard. Is uh, this the is this the idea you were talking about? Just buy the ice cream at the store and then upcharge it and sell it to people. <laughs> right? That's much. a different business venture. But this th- this is a real thing. Like people are doing that. Do you see this no, guy? No, he was. I swear, he was buying pizzas at Walmart. And he he just bought boxes with his logo on it. It was reheating the pizzas and selling them. Like, a, oh, it was phenomenal. I mean, look, more power to you. Game yeah. the system, right? Kroger arbitrage here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was brilliant. You know, it was awesome. Thank you, COVID. Yeah. For teaching exactly. everybody. Like, How to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, they keep talking about us unemployment and stuff. No, man, people just figure out other ways. Mm-hmm. Well, They're not I mean, coming back. The thing is, you had to see through to BS because when COVID happened, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but since we're on it, it was uh, everybody came, became a online personal trainer, like yeah. professional, right? <laughs> so or I was a like, stripper or whatever it is. <laughs> like, well, I, yeah. What's, on, the, what's that online uh, platform? Um, OnlyFans? Only don't act like you had to think about it. I know, it. right? You knew that. I drew a blank. Selling, <laughs> yeah. Selling your pictures of your feet online. There's people doing it, man. I'm telling you, they're like killing the system. I mean, they're like making hand over fist money. It's, Dude, I was, in, awesome. I was in Tampa uh, earlier in the year or last year, I don't remember, and uh, I was visiting some family, and we're sitting right on the water. Mm-hmm. And I guess right in Tampa, right on the, the uh, wharf, I guess you'd call it, there's a lot of new development, and it's like, booming it's right uh, near lightning i think where the lightning play i don't know the name of the stadium but there's this huge high rise and it's right there kind of where we're where we're eating lunch and my cousins tells me that uh he's got a friend on some kind of board for this big apartment building and they ran some demographics for the building to kind of find out what the tenants like what the primary uh career i guess of, of the tenants in the building were and something like 80% of the tenants were OnlyFans. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, then, then he tells me, too, like, I, I, he tells me there's this, like, pink Lamborghini that's famous there and, like, there's an OnlyFans license plate and this and that. Or, uh, But, like, I'm sorry, not OnlyFans. Uh, um, he didn't say OnlyFans. He said, uh, like, online uh influencers influencers is what oh, it was. okay influencers right. is what he said and then he told me about the pink lamborghini with the only fans license plate this particular building a one bedroom one bath is like seven grand a month or something like it's a nice place right it's right on the water and 80 percent of the tenants are influencers yeah. so these are young young people that are just well, i mean balling, it's, yeah right? it's like, like wave of the future right i mean that's the thing it's like you're gonna i mean I, I think if you, you know, if you asked me to run a business now, it'd be very different than what I did back then. Of course. Right. Would, yeah. You know, I mean, because of uh, I, I would primarily try to go online. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I wanted to somewhat recreate myself, you know, I, I could. It would take some work. and But it also poses back to the question, like, how hard do you want to work? 
to, you know, like I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. I, I know 100% the, you know, the um, equation to be successful if I want to do something else. I just don't know if I want to put in the time and effort to get there, you know. I think that's a pretty valuable gift too, is to know what you want and what you don't want. Yeah, so it's like, you know, earlier you were talking, I would say, who's the most successful person you know? No, like asking you a question. Who's the most successful person you know? Personally. In what regard? Yeah, that's that's where he's going with it. Yeah. If you say anybody other than yourself, I don't think you're doing it right. I'm the most successful person I know, and it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with my time, my effort, what I did to make my own schedule, and what I do in my free time. That's what I truly, completely feel. And, I, and that's the thing. It's like, if you think differently, I don't care. I, and, and I invite that, you know, and I say that with no animosity. I just have mastered the art of not giving a fuck. Have you achieved you know, more success than you ever thought possible? Say 20 years ago, Scott, mm-hmm. or 30 years ago, Scott. I, I'm still, so to answer that, and the I'm still a believer in if you are thinking about a goal or a vision that you can uh, accomplish in your lifetime, you're thinking too small. You know, my, my goal is to change the world through health and fitness. It's an uphill battle we fight every single day. We're the sickest and fattest we've ever been. You know, um, we have so many new people coming into the, to the market space. Um, qualified and, and more than likely unqualified. There's a difference between certified and qualified. We know everybody that has a, you know, would you rather be taught by somebody who's certified or someone who's qualified? There's a big difference, right? We all know idiots with certifications. I'd much rather be taught by somebody who is qualified to do it. But that's the thing. I I don't, um, getting back to running the business, I think I would give away more knowledge more freely now. I've always said if if I have something that I'm holding on to that can help humanity, but then I'm saying, ah, you gotta give me 99, dollars a month for it or you got to do this or some absurd rate you know i'm doing a disservice to humanity what i do at the gym is to you know i'm not a gym owner i'm a mcdonald's i'm a starbucks the coffee the burgers that this in my instance the people pay for my investment into the land yes i have proprietary knowledge that you you got to take care of but i'm just saying like on a you know, I, th- I think that's what CrossFit did very well. They gave it away. You know, when I, when I, uh, when I spoke with Greg Glassman, one of the, I mean, this guy taught me a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of people don't like Greg, but I personally like him. He, uh, he taught me a lot of things. He said, uh, if, if you just work on serving people, money be damned, you will be successful. And from there, I just always thought to myself, just – you know, it doesn't matter if I have two people. The minute I turn someone down is the is the day I should shut my doors. You know, because then then you're turning people away that need help. That's such a good point. And one of the things with the the people that I coach, yes, I do have paid for coaching programs, but there mm-hmm. are people that just can't afford it, and I still coach them. Now, I, it's more difficult for me to. <laughs> 
I can't just say, hey, everybody, I'm just going to spend an hour with you every day. It just, you know, there's there's a supply constraint there in terms of my ability. But that's part of the reason that I don't and will never monetize this show. I pay every single episode costs me about 75 bucks to produce and make and, and pull together because I'm paying somebody to look at the video footage and put the mm-hmm. thumbnails together and hosting provide like I'm not doing any sort of ads or anything like that because it's I just genuinely want to help people mm-hmm. out. I think yeah, more so people need to focus on that. Have you seen how Andy Fursello on their podcast, he always says he asks people to pay the fee. Yeah, by sharing it. I think that's cool. I think it's yeah. cool that he kind of lays it out that way. Yeah. He says, look, man, if you got something out of it, if you if you learn something, if whatever, just we don't we don't run ads. I'm not gonna blow your ear up with ten minutes of ads. Like mm-hmm. but if you got something from it, do me a favor, share it and, and pay the fee. That's yep. what it is. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode he always says, like, and share and, and pay the fee. Yeah. I dig that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he says pay the fee, is he talking about the share or sharing, is there is a donation it, or whatever? Or no, no like, sharing okay. it. Sharing it is the fee, right? We don't yeah. run ads, so we don't we grow organically. So mm-hmm. the fee is you know share it, share yeah. it, post it, talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, introduce someone else to it, but you know, pay the fee. Yeah, right. I mean, and I think that's awesome. You know, so much in, uh, you know, now it's like when I buy stuff, I try to go to Chris's place and buy it you know because we want to support like local and support friends or whatnot but you see this stuff all the time especially in social media platforms where there's just not enough support amongst the community also Mm -hmm. you know if i want uh if i'm like christmas lights hung up i know someone who hangs christmas lights that's go to that comes to the gym i want to support them you know if i need uh you know supplements i'm going to chris if I need help with, you know, which I probably need help with business, you know, I'm probably going to shine. But at the same time, I don't, you know, I do, I do the things that I do because I am who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, if you gave me a, here's the other thing. If you gave me a five-step program to do it, would I follow it? Probably not. You know, because I'm honest with myself. I know who I am. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to change that. But at the same time, I know if I want to change, there has to be a change. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not at that point right now. Yeah. Did uh, so with, with with that being said, in your five years, six years, I know we've talked about a couple of things, more personal things. Do you want to have more kids? God, hell yeah, man. Yes, I want a lot more kids. Uh, we. Sh- I can, I can show you. I can show you. Yeah, teach me, wise one. Um, <laughs> Man, the first one was not easy because, uh, you know, all my chemo and all that mm-hmm. nonsense, uh, you know, 10 years of testosterone and steroids. and um, But we still got it done. So we're I would love more, dude. I mm-hmm. So having my first one, it's now very clear to me that I think that is, I mean, everybody live their life the way you choose, but it's been made clear to me that I think this is the purpose of life is to raise children mm-hmm. um it is really shitty sometimes and really just amazing most of the time uh <laughs> like it's it's a such a gift man i showed you that picture of yeah I literally opened my eyes and that's what i saw you know and uh, i'll probably let her sleep in our bed as long as she wants to <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah she's just uh it's the best man i, I definitely want more uh but I, we always tell each other like we're gonna have as many as we can afford. 
Uh, the, the thing is, you can never really afford them. You just find a way. Yeah. You know, five in, I'm still trying to find a way. Yeah, just just making it happen. <laughs> yeah. And then Sean, Sean has to get it, has to catch up. Yeah, he's got a lot yeah, of work. I gotta, That's the way of the wolf, man. You got to... They run Dude, in packs. I'm lucky, man. I, uh, <laughs> I'm lucky that I met a really good one in my wife, not my daughter. That I met a little really bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that I met a good one, dude, because holy shit, we don't put enough emphasis on how important finding a like partner is. Like when we're young men, mm-hmm. dude, we're young men, man. We're chasing not that. We're not mm-hmm. chasing a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dude, that's a that's something that I think men should be talking to men about. And I think that if we, I think in doing that, I think it'll inevitably like there will be more good women in the world if that's what men were looking for, you know? Um, He's going to open up a can of worms on there and be like, what the fuck did you yeah, just I say? Know, yeah. <laughs> Andrew Tate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You see, I just keep my mouth shut. Um, but Scott, no, man, like I, my wife is a partner, man. She is a, she is a, excellent mom and like I, I if i didn't have that if i just had whatever the fuck yeah I mean, golly dude I you'd don't, be pissing people off at the gym i think it'd be a, i would have Remember. a very different uh scott, i don't know if that'd be scott will do point. scott things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but yeah i mean it's congratulations man 100 episodes in is phenomenal Appreciate that shows that. nothing but dedication and work ethic appreciate that it means a lot yeah you've had good guests on too Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool that, that those people want to come give you their time. Maybe you can help me out. I've been trying to get Willie to come on and haven't had much Really? Because that dude loves to talk. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised he's had trouble with that. <laughs> Need to try to get him to come he's on. He's busy, man. He, yeah. That clinic is busy. Yeah. Uh, my brother made an appointment for uh, like a hormone panel and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. and, I, and he did that like two months ago and his appointment is in like November. Yeah. So do you believe in hormone therapy or what? Uh, because you, you were, I mean, not to put anything crazy out there. I mean, you were in a situation where you're, you, you needed yeah, it, needed, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. But I also think, I think on, I needed it. I, I had testicular cancer. So had a test you removed, low T, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. Uh, so I needed it, but I also think, it's not as uh it's not this you know rampant low t disease we're all having we're mm-hmm. just men are not prioritizing food not prioritizing sleep not prioritizing hydration and then they're they're like oh, i've got and i have low testosterone yeah. I'm like no you have low testosterone cuz all that other shit sucks like mm-hmm. you you just put a lot of shit in your body and you treat your body like shit and then you demand a lot out of it and you feel bad mm-hmm. and you have low t like it's all interconnected. It's so crazy to me that you'll have dudes that wash their car m- more than they exercise. Is Sean or who? yeah, like <laughs> they'll wash their car more often than they exercise. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, I have low T." I'm like, "The fuck!" Like, <laughs> no. There's the reason I ask is, and like I said, I'm not a professional. All I know is uh, the bro science behind it by using you know from the ten years that I used and you know did all that stuff, but. I know what it did to me Mm -hmm. and I would never put it in my body ever again. Really? Never, never, never. Because Scott wasn't Scott. Psychologically, Scott was not Scott. Do you think that when you say Scott wasn't Scott, do you think that was a result of the 
exorbitant amounts that you were using? Do you think it can be used? You, you said hormone therapy, which is different from different, yeah. bro science, just yeah. pinning as much as you can. I would think if I was even taking one shot a week, it would change me. Really? Psychologically. I, See, I that just, wasn't I'm my a, experience. Huh? That wasn't, yeah. my, my experience was different. And, uh, and that's why I was saying earlier is like everybody's a little different, right? You know, and it's like, um, I have, even now I've yet to see any study and, and maybe there's somebody smarter than me out there that can show me one that has been done on people doing it for 30, 40, 50 years, right? You, I mean, you can't run a test on somebody who's underage. It'd be unethical, right? Yeah. But people, the argument is, oh, it's going to help give you a better life we, uh, or increase optimization. Yeah. Like yeah, it's going to increase. And I've even heard increased longevity, but how do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know that if, if, you know, like in a Western mindset and we, and you've heard me talk about this before on a podcast that me and you did where, you know, uh, I said like in this Eastern mindset, I expect you to live to hundred. If you go over to Singapore, people expect you to live to like hundred years old over here. With this Western mindset, at 30, 35, 40, people are like, oh, shit, man, my back hurts thing. I'm getting old. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, you know, because I talked about this in the past where I said, you never see a fat old person. And people are like, yeah, you do. You see him all the time. Fucking Johnny's fat as fuck. I'm like, Johnny's 40 years old. And they're like, yeah, that's old. And I'm like, no, it's not. What the hell are y'all talking? You know, because you see, this is a different perception, right? Yeah. But I, you don't see people 80, 90 years old like that. No. Because, and I've, in another thing that has changed is, you know, I used to be 235, 6% like jacked, right? I know, I know the scale cannot tip the other way all the time. As I age, you know, I'm, I'm fixing to be 44. I'm going to be 180, 185 pounds. I know when I turn 50, I need to be 175, 170. When I turn 60, I need to be 160. When I turn 70, the scale has to go the other way because gravity, whether fat or muscle, is not your friend as you age. You, the body cannot continue to work harder and harder. So that's where I'm talking about where... Maybe, maybe let's play devil's advocate. Maybe you do have good genes. You did pick your parents wisely. And long, you know, there's people that I've seen 90 years old smoking out of a trach, yeah. right? And then there's people who can't even bend over and tie their shoes at 28 years old because they're so messed up. So those are the exceptions, not the rule, right? So most people how will will it work you know will it work to and now you see them giving uh testosterone to women so now what are we doing we're turning women into men you know what what's going on with that like i i don't believe in any of this shit and you don't believe it in in exogenous hormone manipulation does it work yeah 100 percent. i can tell anybody who tells you steroids don't work they don't they've never fucking taken a steroid would you but, do you feel the same about um like uh thyroid medication and and that as well or or are we strictly just talking now about sex i mean well here's the thing it's like i'm not well versed enough in in any of that stuff to even speak on it intelligently okay you know somebody is is uh has a thyroid issue then you know, go yeah, see a doctor or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I don't, 
I mean, I can only speak from my experience and what I've had. And, you know, as I stated before, when I was competing in CrossFit, I passed drug tests while using drugs. There is this trend now of guys that are well into their 40s. There is this well into their 40s that are trying to maintain a testosterone level of 1600. And that and they're being told that that's it's that's safe and that's that's optimal. And it's like, yeah, you it probably do feel pretty optimal, but. You know why I think it's the new normal? It's because it became a business, mm-hmm. right? You got to cover it. Now, here's the thing. Anytime somebody, you go somewhere and they're starting charging you for the shit, I'm like, ah, you better cover your wallet. You know, like, I mean, I, I'm, that's just what I believe. And I know we have friends in the industry that do that. That's just what I believe. I'm not a, uh, man, I'm, I'm a fan of like, get your shit uh, right through sleep, through water, through nutrition. You know, there's four ways of seeing results. Uh, new to exercise, and that can be a lot of things. Maybe you're a bodybuilder and now you're trying a different program. Maybe you're a CrossFitter, you're trying a different program. So new to exercise, new to nutrition, that could be a lot of different things. Maybe The simplest one, maybe you ate like shit, now you're eating, you know, a balanced uh, diet. Remember, a calorie people used to say a calorie is a calorie a calorie it's that's not that's true bullshit, yeah. put 1200 calories of crisco in your system versus 2800 calories of good you know vegetables uh, good proteins good fat uh, all that stuff right and see which one makes you feel better and where what that does to your body hormonally uh so that's the second way you see results new to drugs or overabundance of drugs these are four ways you see results I just have not seen anybody give me a worth of shit explanation as to why somebody would need to put it in their body. I think earlier I told you I haven't done, I haven't put testosterone in my system in over six years. Have you done a blood panel? Where's your test? Yeah. So uh, four years in, I, no, I was one of those guys that was probably in the 3000 range, you know, like, I mean, to to tell you what I was using, a lot of people never knew this. Someone who was running one shot a week. So if you went to a clinic, that's uh, one cc, that's 200 migs. That's the most they can dose legally. If you buy it on the you know, black market, aftermarket, whatever, you can get good stuff. It's dosed at 250. These people making shit like super tests and all this all bullshit, right? Yeah. But let's just take somebody who was taking one cc a week legally, 200 migs. At my highest, I was taking up to a gram a week. Now, all this is relative, right? All this is relative. There's people who take way more than that. I was taking a gram a week just to test. Then I was taking trend. I was taking, I mean, I was between compounds, uh, you know, on-cycle therapies, uh, post-cycle therapies, uh, peptides, all this stuff. I was taking literally 40 times the amount weekly of somebody taking one shot a week, Right. You would come to the, remember, like I would walk up to 500 cold and do it for like reps. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all, y'all remember these days where, and it's like, uh, I, I'd be a shell of myself, you know, because now people are like, man, you think you could do it? I'm like, well, first of all, I know I couldn't, but more importantly, I don't even give a shit, right? That's where the mindset comes in. So to, to piggyback uh, back to the, uh, all the stuff, yes, the, psychological stuff was there because of the amount i was taking you know um 
but like I said, I think it become it became a business, and that number kept creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. You know, so they're like, oh, you got to be, you know, but but anything, whether it's a workout program or that's why I don't believe in some of these workout programs as well because let's say you get so many points. Well, how do you beat that? You have, if you got 500 points, you got to go, go 600 and 700 and 800. I think they're not, I, I think we should be careful not to look at them just as a business. I think we should look, we should look at these T clinics and these doctors that are uh, these hormone specialists. Mm-hmm. I think they're fighting against the current nature of our society. We're in an anti-testosterone society. Yeah. They're fighting the good fight by giving yeah. it back to us, man. You're, like, you're trying and, no, and 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 like I said, to to really uh I don't want to say retract the statement, but on to give them credit, they probably are trying to help help people live a better lifestyle. If yeah. someone feels like shit and you and testosterone will make you feel better, okay. Yeah. My my main thing was it's just the the language behind it mm-hmm. where um sure you're gonna feel better for a little bit, right? And then but the thing is, ultimately, what happens in the long run? Because I've heard of so many, especially women, right? They get testosterone. They want to fuck everything in sight. Mm-hmm. They get stronger. They want to do all these things. They feel great. And then all of a sudden, what happens is they start feeling like crap. Do you need to maintain that for the rest of your life? Because eventually, there's a, you know, after the, after the peak, what happens? Taper. You know, you have to come down. And are people, I remember going, when I came off, I remember going through like a year of fog and you asked me where my levels were at. I came off at four years. I hadn't taken anything. And then I ran my uh, my blood panel. I was at 430. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's not like it it's wasn't, low, but, you yeah. know, it's not. Yeah. But that's not low. That's normal. Yeah. Remember, the original original numbers yeah. were from two to eight hundred. Yeah, it's normal. and all of a sudden the shit started creeping up again. You know, all of a sudden now four hundred is low. Yeah, exactly. I think what? at forty years old, at four hundred, we shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I was telling you earlier, we got guys that walk that that drag their feet into the store. It looks like they're fixing a keel over because somebody told them they had low testosterone, and. They don't know I lived several years of my life at a sub 120 level, Mm -hmm. competed in bodybuilding at a 113, like got down to three, four percent body fat at that at that level, too. And they're going and I'm like, yeah, well, did you get a blood panel done? Yeah. Well, do you know what it was? And it's four or five. Where's your test at now? You do you know? No. Do you know where yours is at? Yeah, I think I'm, I probably normally hover in the right around a thousand. Okay, now, I'm taking 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look I'm at look at this. I'm going to be between. I'm probably between four and six hundred. Yeah, look at where a thousand got y'all though. <laughs> <laughs> you see, <laughs> <It's> like, <What>? <laughs> <laughs> this thing was so awesome. But yeah, like I mean, in all honesty, I. I right now, I don't know where I'm at. I think I there's know way I've, too much clout put in it. I think there there is. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. And whenever I first started taking years ago, I actually went through a phase, oh, probably 2015-ish mm-hmm. time frame, whenever I was training there with you and uh, went to see Lipschultz and mm-hmm. started prescribing. And I think I think the prescription you had me, I was 250 a mm-hmm. week, something like that. And, man, I just I packed on 20 pounds in two months and felt phenomenal. And mm-hmm. it was just – it was – 
fantastic. But at that time, I had this mindset of, well, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I would do it for like three months and then come off for a little while and then do it for three months. And and I was just doing this yo-yo thing. And then I came off for about a year and went through a fog like you did and ended up going and seeing Willie. And, and I was actually taking Nolvadrin, which is a testosterone mm-hmm. boost. I don't even know if you guys still sell that or not. Yeah. <laughs> but I went through a phase where <clears throat> I was still getting my panel done. And I would try different testosterone boosters at the store and then get my labs done and see where they fell. And in my experience, they would usually bump it 100, 150 points, which is pretty, pretty decent good. for over the counter. Yeah, I mean, like that's that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And but I was still dealing with this fog and then and speaking with Willie and he and I kind of talked through it and he prescribed me uh, 200 a week Mm -hmm. and I started taking that and that's tapered down to like 150 that I take now just like something and I feel great I'm whenever I was at 250 I weighed 205 208 but I was really puffy and watery Mm -hmm. and actually I could sense my I had a shorter temper whenever I was doing that. Mm-hmm. But whenever I'm like down at the levels that I'm at now, which is what people call, I guess, therapeutic doses, like I, f- I feel great and probably comparable to you. Probably because we're taking care of our bodies, man. Yeah. So well, that's like, a, what you said earlier. It's like, I, you know, I'm about to be 44, but um, I don't, and I don't, and I got to be careful with the language. You know, when I, people are like, say like, oh, I don't feel 44. Like how, how the fuck are you supposed to feel at 44? I feel great. You know, but I can tell you this comparatively to my, like, my kids, like, uh, classmates, parents, and stuff like that. There's, I don't really have anybody comparable to, like, for yeah. than me, you know. It's like, and I don't, like I said, I'm not different. I just know I'm not the same, you know. And it's like, I don't, uh, you know, I, I try to take care of my body. And that's the thing, you know, I just had a friend that went to San Diego, and I love going to San Diego because if you um, if you are not trying to take care of yourself and you're not worried about your health and fitness out there, you're kind of like you're the minority because everybody out there is trying to like you know do outdoor activities, take care of their body, do something. And believe me, it's like if you it doesn't matter what you do, you don't have to come to lift strong, run fast. Go do it somewhere else. You know, the, uh, just as long as you t- take care of yourself. You know, and that's the that's the major part is the psychology of it still is like you know there's there's too much comparison like oh well yeah. our, our this is better than this and this is you know uh you shouldn't do this because you'll get hurt or from person to person i, I i've spoke to my family trying to encourage some of my family members to exercise more i don't know how many times they've looked at me and said well chris not everyone is like you yeah i know that I'm just saying, go for a fucking walk after dinner. Like, yeah. I'm just saying, just exercise. Like, I'm not saying you got to go hit the weights for an hour and a half every but day. But that's or, the thing. I mean, that's the that's the other saying, right? If you, you know, you're either going to find a way or find an excuse. Some, yeah. A lot of people just want to find an excuse to, you know, people will tell me something like, oh, well, you're genetically gifted. I'm like, there's not one person in my family like me. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, what are you talking about? You know? the uh you you have to take accountability for your actions i don't think anyone in the asian culture has ever been accused of being genetically gifted (laughs) except for their brains or their yeah mentally yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the, uh what's it called my uh the the, the joke is on you then right (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but yeah i think i think if if people took more accountability for themselves and you like it's it's at the point where 
now for me at the gym, I'm going to just put things out, you know, and if they, if people want to come, I'm going to speak to people that believe in what I believe in. If there is definitely not a shortage of the type of gyms that want to get you jacked and do this and do that. That's not what I'm talking about. If, if you're worried about longevity, if you're worried about um, your, your health, you want to follow a program that is like based on recovery, great, come see me, right? And like I said, everything is super transparent. We don't even have salespeople. But you, I think there's a lot of dudes that want to be jacked, man. There's a lot of 40, 45 year old Good. dudes. Good, go to those gyms. Who, Take all the testosterone but what you I'm want. They will, <laughs> they'll get jacked at your gym. They can't, I mean, they will. Because drugs work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do anything. It's like you can be on the dumbest fucking program and you can be on fucking one shot of, you know, a week of tests and trend every other day and take, you know, Anadrol. They're doing it. It doesn't matter what it is. They'll get jacked. Yeah. You know, go do the dumbest program there is. You'll get jacked. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, I want you to get off this stuff. That's funny. I'm trying to get people jacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I told Willie that the other day. I was like, dude, there are way too many 45-year-old dudes that have continuously, year over year, lowered their standards of themselves. Mm -hmm. And now the pinnacle of fitness for them would be having a flat stomach or less pointy tits. Like, yeah. that's the pinnacle of fitness. They watch Thor at home with their wife and they can't even make eye contact with their wife when Thor's on the screen because it's like, it feels, I don't know, like they're, a, I, I'm just saying there's 45 year old dudes that could be jacked if they mm -hmm. wanted to. They're 90 days away from looking like anything they wanted to look like or 120 days. I mean, some are further than others. Yeah. But like, they're a short period away from looking like, anything they want to look like and they and they don't believe it they think it's like not for them like it's like well as long as my stomach doesn't hang over my belt it's like but why well, okay. because it's hard to do that it's not easy and people don't want to put in the effort yeah uh, is it it's it's a combination of probably effort money denial like so anyone listening, I'm just telling you, it'll cost you a couple hundred bucks go hire a, a someone who knows who's qualified not certified pay the money Put the time in. You're a hundred. You're a short period away from literally looking like anything you want to look like. I'd put any every dollar in my pocket on that. Like, I unless you've got some sort of. But what know. made you passionate about that? Why? I mean, there's something that has had to have happened with Chris that maybe looked around and said, like, "The fuck is going on? Why do we have all these weak ass dudes running around?" Or, or I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I get to talk to him every day. It's yeah. kind of a cool position. I'm lucky to be in, but I get to talk to these guys that I can tell they feel like there's just not a there's not a there's not an answer there's not a lot of hope and they've just lowered and lowered and lowered mm -hmm. their standards of themselves and I, I remember I did this uh don't even fucking say it I did like a little photo shoot thing with a friend of mine who uh uh for, okay <laughs> <laughs> forged 80, forged 86 is a men's clothing a men's clothing boutique that uh, -huh. uh, uh Tara Austin and Jordan Austin own it's out in Montgomery, and occasionally they'll ask me to like do like photo shoots for some of their new launches. Uh -huh. And I remember we had like some polos or something that were launching, and it was like a golf polo. I got like five messages from buddies of mine that were guys that were like asking about that shirt, and it's because I'm wearing a. Is polo it the shirt, or do you made the shirt look good? That's the thing. Oh, Scotty, you I know mean, it was both, bro. <laughs> it was like, damn. It was both. 
Uh, I mean, but that, I could tell that they're like, these dudes are like, yeah, I'm going to come get that $100 shirt because, you know, and, I want to yeah. look like that. And I'm like, I know you just want to look better, dude. Just do it. But that's the thing. Perception is reality. It. And that's the difference between the goal and the vision. People might see you and have a vision of what you've worked so hard to do. And they, they they're like, I can't do that. Well, I don't know if they say that. I think they look at you and they like say like, damn, I would, I want to look like that in that shirt. You know, yeah, and it's like maybe your vision becomes their vision, and all of a sudden now they're like, man, it, but but the psychology is messed up because they're like thinking, they're they're thinking the shirt, they're not thinking all the shit they should do to get into the shirt, right? So, yeah, I mean, besides that, you when they text you, I think you should be texting them back or telling them like. Hey, is it is it the shirt, man? Because you need like really, you know, <laughs> egomaniac. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, let's 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 bring it back down can, to the. Can you imagine that? Let's text? be humble here, shirt, man. Damn. Or is it? My... <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, like, fucking voice gets deeper. <laughs> fucking. And, like, yeah, but I mean, if you came and worked out with me now, it's nowhere near like what I mean. I. I still work. Me and you had a workout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You still wearing kind of, you still like cleans and stuff? Like you still move some, bar the barbell around like that? Uh, no, I just, I mean, the, you know, I, I don't do a lot of cleans. People don't realize, like, I have a shoulder that's completely torn, but because of the way I rehabbed it and what I do, like, I don't do dips because I know it hurts my shoulder. So I just mm -hmm. stay away from it. Guess what? There's a lot of other ways to train your triceps, your shoulders, your mm -hmm. back, I mean, whatever, right? I do a really good job of understanding what I can't do than do what I can do. I mean, like I said, we were, we worked out at Legacy mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And we were like the only one sweating in there for me. I was just like, I mean, we were <laughs> killing it. Yeah. Like everybody's looking at like, what are, you know, because I think they all know Sean. Yeah. Then, you know, I'm over there like working Sean out and they're yeah, like, holy shit, what's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I'm. I feel like I'm uh, relative in my strength still. You know, I, I can't tell you the last time I squatted heavy, you know. I, I don't, and the thing is, I don't care. You know, I, I, I swear to you, I can't remember the last time I squatted 135 pounds. So, like, when you have tough workouts, what is the driving force behind the tough workout? Um, like, why push? Like, so right now, and like I said, it's all relative. A, a tough workout for me um, like this morning I woke up, you know, uh, I woke up at 5 a.m. I got up and I went and ran three miles. I know what's been going on with my body. My foot's been injured, blah, blah, blah. I did some running two days prior, but today was, I just wanted to run three miles without stopping at a 10 minute pace. I did that. That made me very, very happy. I accomplished that. No big deal, you know, but it, it wasn't easy. Because so, of foot? Uh, just because I haven't been running in a while. And sometimes, you know, you, uh, we all have those little things that start talking to us in our head. And I uh, just slow down. Now, you can stop right now, get a drink, chill mm -hmm. out. But, you know, it. I, I'm proud of myself for not. In the gym, um, there was a... Uh, there was one, at one point in time, I was taking like a fat burner. I don't know what was going on, but I was pulling things, you know, and um, maybe it wasn't enough hydration or whatever it was. But then I said, you know what, if I can't lift it for 10 reps, I'm not lifting it. And on my heavy days, if I can't lift it for five, I'm not lifting it. 
and it brought me further in my health and fitness and my physique that I that I like uh, than trying to go heavy and get five more pounds and pull my fucking pec. You yeah. know, it just it just didn't, doesn't make sense to me because. I'm the type of person where if I want to go paddleboard, I'll I'll go paddleboard. If I want to go run, we'll go run. Like you call me up and you're like, "Hey, let's hit come come lift with me today." Yeah. Good. We'll go mountain biking. Shit! Remember last time we went mountain biking, I went over to fucking hill. Like I mean, yeah, he did too. I took him. I I'm took not... him riding and hit a hit a double. Oh, we'll get on a little bit of a tangent here, but yeah, last time both of you came riding with me, both went front end over the yeah, I'm bars. never coming back. Why? <laughs> if you're if you're not yeah, no. say, if you're not cra- if you don't crash, you're not riding hard enough. <laughs> That's right. This is the first time I've been on a bike in like 15 years. So. Mm. Nope. nope. That's yeah. the. And it felt good too. I'm like, yeah. That's what I would, you get like a little bit of confidence. A little, that's like, exactly yeah, that's what I was confidence. And I saw yeah. you coming in. I was recording. I'll see if I'll splice that footage in. So yeah, that'd be awesome. It, but, but like, but that's the thing. The difference between being, you know, working out, being in shape, and being athletic. If you've ever spoken to anyone who has been an athlete, uh, being athletic and being in shape are two different things. Two completely different things. Because we see people who are in shape. I remember years ago we watched the CrossFit Games and they were doing like a sprint and 75% of the field look like they've never ran in their life. That's not athleticism. You know, athleticism is when you make the common look uncommonly well. You know, it's like you can cut, you can move, you know, with fluidity. I don't. So I've got a, my brother uh, is a bit overweight and he's always been real athletic his whole life. And, mm-hmm. uh, He's damn sure not in shape, but he's yeah. pretty damn athletic. Yeah. Actually, like, you say that. I'm thinking back to another friend of mine who's always been a little bit overweight, but that dude, he can run, he can move. There's a difference, cut, right? But like, you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. We've yeah. seen fatties do backflips. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's there's a difference with, between being in shape and being athletic. I remember the first time we, I went wakeboarding. All the dudes, it's like for a bachelor party, all the dudes are on the boat that are, none of these dudes are in shape. And some of them are like, Real out of shape. Gym tan laundry muffers. Dude, I'm the only dude I can't even get up on the board. Like, I'm like, <laughs> dude, it, it was just so, and they're looking at me like, what's the problem, dude? And like, I can't even get up. And Too these, jacked. And these, <laughs> these round motherfuckers are just like shredding out there. Like, it was pretty humbling, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, they're more buoyant. It's easier for them to get up. Yeah, I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's, yeah, I mean, I remember I was in, uh, where was it? I was in uh, New Orleans, and I was watching all these people. We were eating the beignets at the famous place, I can't remember, and uh, Cafe de Mont, yep. yeah, right? Yep. And it's like, it's pretty damn cold, you know, and all these, like, fatties out there, I mean, they're just insulated, you know, and I'm, like, freezing, you know? But that's the thing. It's like, yeah, of course. It's like, I mean, what does a polar bear do? We're not very, not much different than that, you know. I mean, we, you say is laughing, but I'm being dead serious. I mean, when you your your body composition, things in your body change. Your homeostasis change, right? Your Krebs cycle will change. Your thermogenic effect will change. So that's why that's why you see people who are in shape. Why do they always have a higher BMR? Right, because your, your basal metabolic rate, it you know, yours is probably much higher than mine. You know, like what right now? Like, what do you run in a mile? Um, I could see, probably run a seven. No, see, and that's the thing. Six thirty. You see that probably, 
we you don't know until you do it right yeah and i and i'm the same way right I now have, I, mean, I have no idea what yeah, i run into mile you right now your mile? i mean this morning yeah i mean but not ran it hard that's what i mean you know but there was a point uh, a couple months ago i, mean, I, I was running that. continuous miles for uh under right under 6 30 but here's the thing and i told myself because i was running a lot you know we always talk about doing things that scare you and i said man maybe i want to go out for that uh sub 25k you know but i know that's gonna hurt i know that's gonna be a monster you know and um i started doing some uh, what i call touching time workouts so if i want to hit six minutes in a mile i know in the 400 i gotta go 90 seconds mm -hmm. okay no problem but how long can i do that you know, when you saw, uh, what's his name, just recently, Iliad Kip Kipchoge, right, run, set of records, like 13 miles an hour for 26.2 miles. And you see all these people trying to hold 13 miles an hour, and it's insane. It's like they, they can't do it, you know, to the normal person. And, you know, we got to remember, like, when I give you times, I'm not giving you uh, – I'm not giving you uh, like the, the world record times. I'm not even giving you elite times to run and whether it's the 400 a mile or whatever, you know, cause if I come out and I say, Hey, Chris, let's run continuous miles at that for something. No, you can't do that. That's a, that's the, you know, goat status, right? Even five minutes you can't do even six minutes you can't do right now. Right. But if I say, let's just try to touch one mile at seven and a half at your fitness level, it's Probably it's doable right you might be able to go do it right now but that's the thing you you've got to give somebody things that are within reach oh yeah you know because if you if you start uh going too far i always give people this analogy like when they come in the ledge is over there we never push you over the ledge we're going to be back over here intrinsically you're going to continue to come in and you're going to want to see push yourself to that ledge you know you and there's times where you push yourself and you go over, right? It, I used to do that daily. Now what I do is I stay back here. I don't even want to know what's over. The, I know what's over the ledge. I don't even want to go over there. You know, so I, I keep my workouts back here now. I was kind of, I asked you that question, like, uh, what's pushing you to these workouts? Because last night was a leg day for me. Mm -hmm. And I only had these shitty Nike tennis shoes, but I had my... Uh, Nike Romalio lifters, mm -hmm. and I haven't put them on. They're in my office. I haven't put them on in years. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, cool, I guess I'm wearing those. As soon as I put them on, I'm like, we're lifting today, baby. <laughs> it felt tired. good. Yeah. And uh, so I was doing five by five uh, back squat, and uh, I, had, I think I worked up to like 315, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I feel like I should keep going. But I'm like, I don't really need to keep going. Mm -hmm. like, that's it. I don't. You don't need to put 315 on your any more than that on your back, really, right? And uh, really, that's probably too much. Um, no, I mean, some people would argue, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm like, I was kind of like, uh, I don't, I haven't done this in a while. I don't want to, I don't want to risk injury, but like, I'm not really. There's nothing really pushing me through this workout. I'm just kind of yeah. trying to hit five and fast. It's, yeah, and, you know. The minute you said that is the minute you knew you shouldn't go up. When you're like, ah, am I going to risk injury? You, yeah. you start doubting yourself, right? That's when you know you shouldn't go up. The other thing is, it's like, I, I understand your question you're asking now. What what drives you into these workouts that you're doing? There's no drive. There's absolutely no drive. It's, it's just it's, a discipline it's now? Just, it's, yeah, it's, and that's the thing. Discipline is doing the things you need to do when you don't want to do them. And it's not even that. It's more of, this is just part of it. 
you know, this is part of my life. Yeah. I don't understand people like you, you've seen this. People will come in like, oh, I haven't worked out in eight years or some weird shit. And I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't understand that mm-hmm. at all. You know, um, how's the longest you stopped? So, uh, I mean, now I'll take breaks. I will force myself to go at uh, my lifestyle. I don't need to take longer than a couple weeks. So I took two weeks for the first time mm-hmm. ever uh probably last year sometime and very quickly i was like oh this is pretty nice like Mm -hmm. i was getting home really early and i had like i I was getting home when i say early i was getting home at like five o'clock four four thirty which like i felt like i had a whole day ahead of me you know i'm like man it's daylight out it Mm -hmm. feels great like i get it now like do you all like to train in the morning or in the evening or does it not matter oh i've gotten to where i train at lunchtime Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I used to train obviously at the 5 p.m. class, and it's yeah. just I find that my energy levels are so much better if if I train on my lunch break. Mm-hmm. It just it just works well for me. What I about I, training in the morning is not something I can do. Uh-huh. I have better days if I train in the morning. Like my my work day is better if I train in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, my workout is better if it's like right after like like midday lunch. But I find myself training at like. 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Let me Just ask to get you. It in. Let me ask you this because you said you couldn't. Because I, I'm a believer in a question opens the mind, a statement closes the mind. What would it take for you to train in the morning? What would make it more accessible or easier for you to train in the morning? Besides not being a bitch and just getting up and doing it. That's the way you really do it. That's really all it is. I mean, you've seen everything I've got in my garage gym. I can just, Mm -hmm. technically, there's nothing stopping me from waking up and going out and training Uh in the morning, aside from the fact that my energy levels aren't as high, and the thought of waking up and training just Mm -hmm. doesn't sit well with me. I know that I'm going to have a much better workout, Mm -hmm. and I've kind of created my and structured my life in a way that allows me to train at an optimal yeah. time of day so that I enjoy it and and feel the best. Now, whenever I was on that vacation a couple of weeks ago and was in Arizona mm-hmm. because of the, there was two days where I was at a technology conference, the only time I had to train was in the morning. Yeah. So I got up, went out on that, the patio, started doing push-ups. That's and where I'm going with and, it. And it's part of you. Yes. It's you just, know, yes. you're going to find a way. You're not going to find an excuse. Correct. See, and that's the thing. It's like even for, you know, just like audience listening, both of us are very into health and fitness. And you're like, for your mindset, you're like, man, waking up in the morning, I can't do it. See, for me, God, I've been waking up at three, four in the morning since I was 15 years old. And the thought of sleeping in late, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. What time do you go to bed? Shit, sometimes I don't. I mean, everybody talks about sleep. I, I, You know why I'm successful? Because I can take as many naps throughout the day as I want. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's like I, I and when I'm on it, I'll try to get in bed by 9 or 10. You know, it's like, you know, I still remember what Lloyd Wells tells me. You know, like nothing good happens after 12. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want some more kids? Go, go out after 12. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it's like it, it just, you know, you can still get it done. Like I said earlier, right? The the goal is here. Some people go to the right. Some people go to the left. You know, you might wake up early. I might wake up late, whatever it is. But it's interesting to get, I think, some of the questions that might need to be asked are some of the, what we would consider the easier questions, you know, 
but for other people, they, it's a it's a challenge. For somebody that's not into health and fitness, it's a challenge for them. Like, oh my gosh, how do you wake up so early? That's crazy. I can't, you know. And I like what Jocko Willink talks about. If you've ever listened to or read one of his books, he talks about you know how do you combat waking up early? And most people would say, oh, you got to go to bed earlier. No, you combat waking up early by waking up yeah. early. And all of a sudden, what happens is your circadian rhythm starts to change over the yeah. course of time. You know, you're going to be tired and. Uh, throughout the day, but then it changes and you start going to bed earlier naturally and then your your uh, REM becomes better naturally. You know, you don't have to take all these things and supplements mm-hmm. and everything else. And But I, uh, for me, like I said, I, I generally now, because it's part of me, I will work out in the morning and I don't give these crazy 100% workouts. I'll push myself. There's, there's a couple guys in my gym that are fast and running like phenomenally fast and it's like i can't keep up with them you know but i try to push myself to close that gap and those are the type of workouts that i will push myself harder in it's like can i can i close the gap with these guys or maybe uh there's an equalizer in there you know so it pushes me to you know to push myself hard yeah if I want to raise my metabolic rate up, I start doing a lot of couplets. Like some of my favorite workouts are like five-minute workouts where I'll do 200-meter row and five burpee jump overs, and then I'll rest two minutes, and I'll do like a 10-calorie ride with, you know, 15 swings, rest two minutes, and then I'll do like 30 double-unders with, you know, um, 10 pull-ups or whatever the hell it is, you know? Something, but then yeah. it's just I just constantly keep my heart rate up. And it's simple, right? The KISS method, but to some people, it might be just so, it might be a complete foreign language to them, and they don't understand how you can do that. That's pretty much exactly what I do for conditioning these days. Do mm. some sort of, of couplet, kind of a back and forth for anaerobic capacity. I just. I think you had a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I go into, into Legacy Barbell and there's all these power lifters and bodybuilders. And, and I mean, that's not all there is at that gym. There's yeah. a lot of kind of just general population trying to, to get in shape. Um, but I have this, <laughs> like everybody refers to me as the CrossFitter. They're like, oh, it's the CrossFitter. I'm like, yeah it's not crossfit it's because they're watching you do functional stuff yeah that's why right yeah. yeah it's like i don't do that much i was getting shit for doing kipping but pull-ups it, the other day so do you see that video that i posted i did like 30 strict pull-ups something like that that's like yeah, yeah this is for all of you guys lot. that aren't that's a Cause lot remember at, at your event i did 26 because you did 25 yeah. i don't yeah. want to do more than you um yeah I but think yeah I yeah <laughs> 25 at what weight i don't even know how many it's i could 20. do now I think we should try if you have a pull-up bar. We can bring the camera in there and post yeah. afterwards. Yeah, let's do it. Let's then, do it. We'll just go hit up the yeah. garage. I see ha- what happened. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like with um, what what is – okay. It, it, because we're all well-versed in vocabulary and everything like that when it comes to health and fitness. What is CrossFit? People are forgetting. I, I was at the inception. I was at the original Santa Cruz with Greg Glassman. I trained yep. at Santa Cruz North. When you know, it's like, what is CrossFit? People, uh, and, I, and I will always continue to say this. People think I don't like CrossFit. Man, it was one of the best. <laughs> it was one of the best times of my life. Yeah, it was phenomenal. The movement, the community, the, the community. We were around like-minded individuals. I mean, yeah. I'll never forget that. But then, 
it, just like anything else, right? You can only be good for so long, then everybody will, you know, basically bastardize you and whatnot. And to this day, there's still good CrossFit gyms and there's still bad ones, just like mm -hmm. anything else. But I push, I push a lot of people to CrossFit now, even today. But what is CrossFit? That's what I'm saying. What to you, the definition? Because I, I hear so many people in, say, like, oh, well, what's, what Scott does is CrossFit. But it's not CrossFit. Mine has a definition to it. I can tell you simply. But yeah, we're, it, what is CrossFit? It's random, high-intensity workouts. It's definitely not random. Like, and maybe did CrossFit start out that way, though? It was. They had the it, hopper and shit, right? Well, well when, I random, say, when I say well, random, you think about it, there's... Whenever I think about CrossFit gyms and whenever I travel, if I do drop into a gym, have conversations with the coaches, like mm -hmm. their program is random. They're like, oh, we're going to do some named workout today or, oh, we're going to do snatches okay. for time and are we going to do. So do you know why, Cro you know why CrossFit sued me? <clears throat> Did you know this or no? So CrossFit sued me. I had some things to say, but I mean, back then I was a little bit more eccentric than I am now, but. Well, a grandma test will do that. Yeah. <laughs> Get off of it. You don't know. Yeah. My, my boy. Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the um, – so basically this is what I believe. If CrossFit was putting out things that they were doing on CrossFit.com, right, then if you're doing CrossFit, by definition, you'd be doing that, Right. Now they came up with this high intensity functional, or was it movements? Uh, func uh, what was it? Um, what what you just said? Yeah, high intensity functional movement. Um, no, it's randomized. done it random. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, high intensity functional movements, whatever. But everybody was doing something different. So I said, "What you are doing is working, but it's not CrossFit because what CrossFit is putting out on their website." That's what it is, right? So we went into this whole spiel about it. I mean, we settled out of court, but still, you know. They were putting, like, weak-ass shit on I remember. I remember oh, I logging into the CrossFit yeah. website it's, to see the daily. Uh, well, the thing is, it's not so much weak, right? Because when you do those things at, you know, I used to be able to do a Fran in, like, 212 or Stop something. Something right stupid, now. right? Like, but what did that make me good using, at? using, though. No, because whenever when I, was, I think about, was it? No, it's when I was shit. How can you? It's like the dude. I was. It was stupid. It was. But what did that make me good at? Fran. That's it. For everybody yeah. that doesn't know what Fran is, it's twenty one fifteen nine pull ups, pull ups, and thrusters, thrusters, thrusters and pull ups. At, yeah, thruster weight at ninety five pounds. Out yeah. There. And the thing was, I could do all those workouts super fast. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like I remember being in a. It's like, I forgot what it was. But you were fast in the garage. You were fast in the first gym over here off the feeder off of Rayford. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always, you know, when I was doing all that stuff, it was always like competitive, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it took a toll. Karma always collects its dues, right? And it like my body, if I didn't start doing the things that I needed to do for my back and my shoulder, I'd still be wrecked, you know, for my knees, I'd still be wrecked. But you see all these people, and they might tell you, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But fuck, and then you talk to them like they've got all kinds of ailments. Well, that was the, the biggest reason whenever I left CrossFit Overtake because my back was killing me all the time. My shoulders were just jacked up all the You can't pull from the ground 
six days a week and not expect some sort of, of issues. At least, in my opinion, I don't think Olympic lifting was ever designed to be high repetition, like 30 round or 30 reps for time, yeah. snatching. Well, well, yeah, I know. Well, the, the thing is, you get – so if you take somebody uh, – you know, what I need and what you need doesn't differ by type. It differs by degree. Um, I do not do that kind of stuff now because, like I said, it's all about balance and all about recovery. As I mentioned earlier, like the Bulgarian system had a high high uh, rate of success, but it also had an even higher rate of burnout because of all the movement, right? Um now, I can't speak for CrossFit Overtake. I, I know Marco. I don't know. Or, I mean, he doesn't even own it anymore, I think. But anyhow, like when I when we were competing, you know, I competed against him. The dude is like phenomenal, you know, and I still think he went to the CrossFit Games or something this year. I mean, I don't even follow that stuff anymore, you know. I, but, know, I, miss, I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah, I, I mean, if it. they're doing I mean, that, <laughs> great, great for them, you know, whatever it is. Um, but to kind of um, – you said your back was hurting all the time, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I don't know, and I will never make a statement saying like, oh, it's the programming or anything like that. But I can tell you this, that when a person comes in, if they're, um, if they're not trained, right, obviously somebody who comes in that's a neophyte, they can't do the thing that somebody that has the preparedness to do it, you know, because we have to raise your level of work. Uh, there's how many people people do you see that come in trainers right that come into my gym they push the prowler they do stuff and all of a sudden they're throwing up mm -hmm. like because they're just not used to the rate of work the the work capacity that we put in within the hour and the thing is you can get that work capacity but you got to kind of check your ego at the door mm -hmm. and i still deal with people every single day that they are moving way too much weight with shitty ass form and not doing it correctly because now you're not first of all it's the motor recruitment pattern is terrible you're not making the muscles fire when they need to fire and then that's that's even worse because now you're creating a poor poor recruitment system right i tell these guys all the time like drop the weight like lower the weight and do it correctly take take two uh two steps backwards because then you'll take a step forward later but sometimes that ego is a motherfucker, man. They will not, like, yeah. you know, let, like, oh, boy, right? Like, he, he didn't want to go deadlift with the girls, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But I promised those girls that were training at the time could lift more than that. Yeah. You know? But So are y'all still running pretty hard over there? Like, cause We always of... run. We always run. I The biggest compliment you can pay me is to quit my gym and be like, I stopped that motherfucker because he runs too goddamn much. <laughs> You know, I because I, I've thought about when I say run hard, I mean, like, are y'all still like pushing sleds and like, yeah, okay. I mean, we do all. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, because I this is the thing. It's like, I, I honestly feel like we do such a wide variety of health and fitness. Like, I always explain it like if you went to the magazine stand and it was the same magazine every single month, you're, you're going to watch it, you're going to read it, you're going to look at it, then you're going to just get bored. Like, you can't go to a gym and just do kettlebell swings, pull-ups. But, you know, it's, like, boring. And a lot of times when people come to my, what I call my qualification course, they will look at it and they have that aha, flat earth move, like, where they're like, what the fuck? You made a business out of this? You know, when yeah. they see the programming? Because it starts on a blank page. 
And I have you start filling in the stuff so you know how to do it. It's like a toddler. I show you how to do it. And all of a sudden, it starts, you start seeing it come together. And they're like, what the hell, and you're charging for this? But it's, that's what I'm saying because it's like it's my intellectual property that I've had for 20 years and just developed. And hopefully, like I've always said, if I want it to be – if I want live strong, run fast to live beyond me, it has to be ingenious, right? Like people have to do it after I'm dead and gone. Danny said that uh, she found herself being fulfilled in failure with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. like when she got when she when she decided to just start showing up, she became she started becoming fulfilled in failing. And I'm like, wow, what a valuable lesson that was! Like, yeah, just getting comfortable with it, you know? Yeah. And then getting and then knowing that, like, okay. We'll come at it again next week or whatever the movement, if it's a deadlift or whatever, then all right, I'll see you on Friday, you know? And that's the thing. You have to have a strong mental capacity to do that because a lot of people don't know how to deal with failure. Man, and you do it in the company of peers and kind of begins to form this, you know, kind of a overused term, but a community. And But it's not just CrossFit. It's, you know, it's lift strong, run fast. It's at 45. It's... uh what was the other place? Orange, uh, Orange Theory. theory. All it's all any things, any yeah. XYZ gym that does that, right? Uh, small. It's got to be small, though. And that's the thing. Sometimes they take it and too far, right? An, it's kind of an instructor, too. If you go to LA, everyone has headphones. <coughs> yeah. Dude, the other day, I see this woman squatting in the in the squat rack, and I could tell she's probably followed some women on Instagram that have you know, showed her how to do this or whatever. You could tell she doesn't have great mechanics. And I can, I see, I forget what it was, but I saw like a cue. I'm like, man, I could, if I could just help correct her heel here or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've got my headphones in, so I'll pull my headphones out and I kind of step over and I'm like kind of trying to get her attention in the mirror, but I'm wanting to keep my distance, you know, because I don't want to freak her out, you know? Dude, you would have thought this girl would have blown a fucking whistle or like a rape whistle or something on me. Like, <laughs> and I was just going to help her. Like, but she, she, when, when I finally get her attention, she's like looking at me like, like a deer, know. you know, and I'm like, oh, excuse, excuse me, miss. You know, I'm trying to be as like uh, delicate as I can. Not I scared. don't even say shit now. I'm just like, fuck it, let them do it wrong. But that's the difference. Like everyone's <laughs> like, got headphones. Everything's closed off in yeah. these gyms. So small group classes like LA or yeah. uh, uh, like Orange Theory and F40. God forbid you have to speak to somebody. Oh my god. But yeah, yeah that's the thing. Is like, and I mean, but there is a. There's no definition for it, but you know it when you see it because sometimes uh, a gym or community can take it too far, right? When, like, if I started running Sunday classes for church, that, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? It's like, then you're like, ah, I don't know what's going on there, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, one of the things my personal, you know, like, I want to get back to having um, big community events. You know, just come out. Yeah. Try it out. Mm -hmm. Have fun with it. Like, I think on the... You know, I better not announce it. I was going to say 22nd, I'll have a party in my house. But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, those types of things are cool. We, we discussed the same thing too, like hosting events at the store and like not making it a. You do a good job of that. We've held some, we had some mm -hmm. good events. Yeah. Um, thank you. But not making the events like centered around like, uh, sales. I'm not, I'm like, no, don't, not, don't come out and shop with me, but like, come out and yeah. have a good time. Like, let's have a barbecue and drink beer and like, or whatever we want to do. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. have, like bring some entertainment out or something and like let's have fun and kind of meet each other and uh make well it's it important because the community is like who you who you trust yeah you know, it's like and it's like if you it doesn't matter where you're at if you don't trust where you're at that's probably you know you're like scared to hurt your back 
Mm-hmm. They're like, fuck, snatches again? Yeah. You know, back extension, snatches, mm-hmm. cleans, front squats again. <laughs> I started doing some, I did some cleans twice last week. Man. I still do cleans. I do mm-hmm. enjoy Start deadlifting a little cleans. bit heavy too. Yeah. Your form worth a shit. Dude, <laughs> I, I did uh, sets of five 225 cleans the other day. Nice. I think the, the one of my greatest feats at Live Strong Run Fast was uh, hang power cleaning 300 for five reps. Mm. <laughs> it's and like remember just catching it yeah <laughs> no oh yeah it's like those no, no straps <laughs> yeah. just a strong what the fuck what are y'all talking about straps what are those like i mean just i was watching all the like videos remember i would do i remember i like snatched like 135 mm-hmm. with like one arm mm-hmm. from the ground and it's like just you see this guy with one arm fucking clean and jerk 225 yeah, you didn't dude. you saw that yes the fuck is going on it's like that thing was amazing, but yeah, I look at all my old stuff sometimes, and it's uh, it's interesting, you know. Like like I box squatted five fifty, mm. and I'm like, what is? I didn't. That's not Scott. Scott didn't fucking box squat five fifty. <laughs> <Yeah>. Goddamn, <laughs> fucking the alter that, ego. Yeah. That was the dragon that fucking box squatted five fifty. He's like. Oh man, it's like I see I see so many people now, and they, they all tell me they're like, "Dude, I was the in the best shape when I was training with you." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Good, come back, support a motherfucker," because <laughs> <laughs> <It's like, laughs> you're it, it, at the same time. I saw one guy, uh, Felix and Steve, and I'm and I'm known for putting my foot in my mouth, but you know, Felix, he was always a little chubbier. He's a Hispanic dude. He was a both of them uh, were police officers. And fucking, they've been gone for a year. They came by the gym, pulled up, you know, pew, pew. And came, I was like, oh, what's going on? And Steve got out and walked, and, and I saw this guy got, get out, and he's walking. I noticed it was Felix. I was like, holy shit, dude, you look fucking amazing. Like, what did you do? He's like, bro, I got cancer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, fuck, you look good, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I was just, but like I said, you know, all these people, I think, um, plus the gym is in a very different place now. I mean, I, I think when you come in there, we're open 24 hours. We don't, it's not just, you know, when you come in, like, let's hand your shit to you. It's not like that. It's like, just get it done. You know, I, I think I run a business and a training facility very different i mean that also brings me to i don't see how a lot of these people are getting into the fitness industry now too because it's it's expensive mm. you know i i run my business completely different than you know i mean i think about these guys calling me and they're like hey man do you have a minute to sit down and talk and i'm always willing to give my time but then they go get a place that's you know small right you don't have that many members yeah new gyms and all of a sudden you know they they don't have a lot of equipment um they gotta pay like three grand in rent you know then they're talking about having it be their second job and i've always been a believer in like if you're a part-time trainer you'll get your people part-time results Mm -hmm. but you know now that you're having to pay somebody you have all this overhead all the bills and everything it's not to say that i don't have bills on it but it's like you know, I don't pay, I, I own the place, right? I don't pay anybody. Now, when I go to Singapore, and I'll pay, pay the members to, like, some of the members that have been there a while to, to, to do it. You know, I might get you to come over there at 5, right. 5 a.m., yeah. 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But that's that's the thing. It's like, how are these businesses surviving, especially with all the pandemic shit? You know, I don't. I just don't see how um, how it can be very profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, CrossFit gyms or gym any. Gyms? I mean, any CrossFit style yeah, gyms yeah. like that. You know, it, I think it'd be pretty tough for people to. Uh, Maybe that's why it's the second, you know, their primary job pays for it and the other one, you know, yeah. they're just get, getting a place to train or whatever. Do you have a gym in the back of your place or no? No. I and keep I've, trying to tell them to. I've, wa- I've wanted to build a, a boxing gym back there. Uh, uh-huh. But not to, like, actually turn anybody into, like, golden gloves, just to, like, help When's some, the last help time some you motherfuckers boxed? get some testosterone. Um, sparred? No, just, like, I mean, oh, so I'll run. I, I, I train with... I, you know, I did five rounds this morning on the back on the heavy okay bag. but uh good so like i'll i i box like i'll train yeah. but i i don't box box you know like when i want to really get in shape i go and train with lewis woods like yeah, I mean, he's, that, yeah. you might be in shape you're not in no damn lewis woods shape yeah, i'm telling you that shit it's like yeah boxing is very different he's uh yeah if i got on a bag right now i do 10 eight rounds and the bag would be winning you know <laughs> it's like but yeah, we should go over to. I, I usually do two minute rounds, minute rests, uh-huh. and, I'll, and I'll run ten ten rounds like that. We need so. to go to Lewis's place one one time, and, and like I will plug him until the end of time. The epitome of what a phenomenal coach should be, you know, Lewis Woods, Tim Swords. Uh, these guys are phenomenal. Tim Swords is out in League City. He does Olympic weightlifting. He trained Sarah Robles. She was the bronze medalist. You know. Uh, and Olympic weightlifting, but Lewis Woods is just there. There's not a better trainer out there. You Do know? you by chance know who trains out of the, right here on Rayford? Uh, the the boxing gym. I think it's like, I think the boxing gym is Schlitz. Well, I, I, but you're familiar with Schlitz boxing, right? Mm-hmm. No, pass it every day on the way home. It's right here on Rayford, <laughs> right there, like in all the congestion, right there near the freeway, like a like. A, Quarter mile from the freeway. Oh well, it's on it's, the right hand side. It's off the the road. It's not like a storefront right on Rayford. It's a little mm, bit it's like back. right behind. Yeah, it's like right behind. Yeah, yeah. it's called Schlitz Boxing. But there's a dude that trains out of there, and they got an Instagram, and they they post a lot of their like uh, their actual like tra- their drilling. Uh huh. And you like dude, it's pretty good, dude. Some of this stuff is wild advanced, like mm-hmm. working uh, recruitment patterns and like and speed fast twitch stuff, and it's not like. He has been doing a lot of footwork stuff, but mm-hmm. just watching the drills, I'm like, that's where I need to go train. Like, yeah. it's pretty, you just watch it and you're like, I don't know what they're doing, but I know I need some of that. <laughs> I, know, I need that. Yeah. They didn't like, have you done jujitsu at all? No. Yeah. Jared Chafee out in Conroe, he's a buddy of mine. He trains uh, with me in the morning, but Jared has a phenomenal, Carlson Gracie in Conroe is just phenomenal. And I did it for a little bit and then I, I bought a gi and all this shit. And I told Jared, I said, man, I think I'll just wear it for uh, Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, because yeah. why? I'm gonna you're wear it. Like, you're like the one dude that hell fall no. in love with it. No, but jujitsu, it's uh, man. I don't. You know, if I'm rolling around on the ground, I want it to be with a female, not with a <laughs> dude all over me and shit. It's like, you know, it's like yeah. I, I'm just brave enough to say it. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you touched on something as far as like seeing that gym and wanting to go in and thinking, man, I need to go do that. And I think I want to tie this all kind of back together around constantly striving to be better, mm-hmm. constantly finding a way to step out of your comfort zone and, and 
do something that makes you uncomfortable knowing that it's going to make you well-rounded and more successful and better as a man. Okay. How do we get more men to think like that? Mm. Maybe that's what I meant by leadership. Um, I think a lot of men probably have shitty self-talk and probably convince themselves that of lowering those standards of kind of convincing himself. Well, that's not for me now. You know, it's not, that was for me then. Like I've had a thousand guys look in my life. I've had a thousand guys go, man, I remember back when I was your age, I looked like that. And I'm like, right. Okay. Um, it just, but it, they they tell themselves that it's not for them now, you know? Um, so I think, and I think, dude, if you're not actually, if you're not training regularly, I think it's really easy to like, you probably don't do a lot of hard shit. So doing hard shit sounds like shit. So if you're like training regularly, I think is what does that. It, it just, you regularly have hard shit that you're doing and it gets you comfortable with failure and gets you comfortable with overcoming those, you know, quote unquote mountains. And, uh, and it reminds you that you can do hard things and, but if you're not doing that, man, if you're just waking up and you kind of find yourself in a little rhythm of like nothing and you're not really pursuing anything and you're just kind of stuck and you're feeling kind of stuck, good luck. Like someone coming to you going, man, you ought to do this. Yeah, fucking right. Like that's not for me. Uh, there's nothing telling you that it is for you, you know? So you, you, know, you kind of need momentum. I think training kind of helps you with momentum, maybe. Uh, even if you're not winning in a lot of other things, it kind of helps you get some Ws, I guess, you know? Uh, or at least you can see other people are struggling also, you know? You're not just seeing the all the good on social media and then going to the office or whatever job you got, and maybe you're not really happy or happy there, and then you come home and you're not really happy there, and... Dude, that, that person that is in that scenario is not seeing any, they're not seeing opportunity like it's for them mm. at all. They're, so, so yeah, start training, right. start fucking training. Start if you're not training, start training. I, thought, I think that's like a no, that, that we should have a zero tolerance there. Like everyone should know you gotta train. You, got, it, you gotta exercise. Like what, if that's stretching, if it's yoga, if it's running, if it's boxing, whatever it is, you gotta train. There's not one drawback to training. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, I mean, healthier mind, healthier body, healthier spirit, everything. There's just not one drawback at all. And that's, and when I say training, like you said, it's not about, it, it could be getting up and walking, yeah. you know, for some reason, people think walking has less benefits than running. It's like, just go walk. You know, I have a guy right now, he started, he, he's lost so much weight. He's down to 160 from 220. He doesn't train. He doesn't do anything. All he does is walk three miles a day, and he eats three times a day. He probably makes healthier food choices. No, I mean, that's yeah. when we were on the finger yeah. program, and like all that shit I'm posting online, it's a vegetable. Uh, it, and now, I have tweaked it even more so to where, like, you know, at night he's doing two green vegetables and a white fish. And, I mean, we've we've tweaked it a little bit. Dude, but <clears throat> you got to get the momentum going. So, like, let's say you're not doing shit now. Let's say you're, like, you're not doing jack shit, so you start walking. You walk a mile in the morning and you do that a little bit. And then maybe you notice 
some kind of small incremental change and it gets you a little excited it just leads mm -hmm. it leads to the next thing and then maybe then it leads to like all right i'm going to try to make it to that next stop sign yeah. tomorrow you know and then now you're walking a mile and a half or two miles or now instead of a chicken fried steak or whatever for lunch you're you're getting a salad instead but it like it leads to those things but like you gotta start man i i won't name one but i've got close friends and close family that i'm watching them gain weight because they're not doing shit and i've told them time and time again they gotta exercise and they've said that thing to me where they're like you know not everyone's like you chris and i'm like i'm about this close to just <laughs> like, like i know that but you gotta it, you have to train you have to mm -hmm. if you're not training train that's the secret to everything if you're not training train mm -hmm. <laughs> scott what's one thing that you want to leave the listeners with uh I mean, it's a ninety-nine dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me on OnlyFans. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to compress it down into one. I think we've talked about a lot of stuff already. Um, man, like, don't don't be scared to pull the trigger. You know, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you are alive, and. You better get busy doing the things that you want to do in this lifetime. You know, if if you are struggling, I and even with myself, I had to. I when I when I would hear people use the word struggle. Psychologically, it like I was telling Keith this, it like messed me up, because you know I've lived in these third world countries where I see real struggle. Right, they don't know if they're going to eat that day. So when I hear like you know, Westerners around here where we live in this affluent area and people have disposable income and they're like, oh man, I'm struggling. I'm like, bitch, you're fixing to get in a $50,000 car, go home to like a $400,000 house. Like, but maybe it wasn't, you know, for me, I had to taper it back and say, maybe they are struggling mentally. You know, maybe it's something that's messed up in it. You know, it's not just always the facade because you know as i've said in the past uh you know a smile on social media is the new depression right and that that would be my i guess uh message to to leave with is just don't be scared to pull the trigger and do the things that you want to do because you know you might not have uh the opportunity to say the things and do the things tomorrow as to what you need to do today Appreciate that. What about you? Yeah. Um, no, let's close with that. That was really good. Okay. I like that, man. Don't be afraid to pull the trigger. All right. I love it. All right. For all of you watching or listening, this has been an incredible episode. Great conversation. The longest episode we've ever recorded, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I did something a little bit different this time around. Normally, I have almost a script that I go off of where I'm touching on certain topics and points. And I had a good friend of mine suggest that I make more of a conversation out of the show. So we did that this time around. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please pay your dues and share the episode. Pay that fee. Pay All the right, fee. everybody. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>